1: Hey, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to
2: the Shout It Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus.
1: What's up there, Kiss Army? Tom and Zeus with another episode of Shout It Out Loud Cast. Episode 120. We're calling this one, Eddie Trunk.
3: <laughs> it happened. You're about to hear it, people. Uh, yeah, something that we weren't sure if we were ever going to get this to uh, to take place. And it took place. And wow, yep, it's here.
1: Yes Not what you guys probably expected But We're in uh, Season 3 in the middle Yep And um, Just about everybody that we could think of With the exception of the band We've probably had on at this point now Tom And I remember when we first talked about Who would you want to have on Between me and you We threw out you know Gene I'd say Gene maybe Paul Peter for me You were like Eddie Trunk I'm like what yep. Like why You're like because I can have a conversation with them. You're going to get the robotic uh, Like words and uh, Interviews that you're going to get from Paul and Gene You're not going to get that from Eddie Nope I'm Like okay alright makes sense And you also said the same thing I think about Bruce Yes Um, I may have said Jericho's name Originally too and they've all been on, Tom. Right. <laughs> so pretty much this is the last episode of Shout It Out Loud, See you later. <laughs> Thanks. honestly, Great three years. Thanks, we've, guys. We've reached the top of the mountain. See you later. Yeah. No,
3: but all, all jokes aside, um, I, I've been saying this for a while. And, and look, we're going to address the elephant in the room. We'll get there. Don't worry. We will. But I have been a fan. Criticisms aside, which we will address and, and just to to have him on to be able to pick his brain and know that it's going to be an honest conversation is something that I never thought would happen. And uh, we've we're you know, like to pat ourselves on the back for a minute here. We've worked really hard to get to where we are and to get somebody like Eddie Trunk on this show. So we're excited. We had a blast and we can't wait for you guys to hear it. We're going to get to it soon.
1: Yeah, but uh, you know how we always do it before we go. We always got to start with last week's episode. We start with the episode poll. Last week, we had Chris Jericho on, didn't we? I'll
2: give you fever. I'll give you
4: fever. I'll give you chills. I'll give you chills. Make you a yeah, baby, baby, you're going to break your wheel. Yeah, yeah.
3: Quite a, not a bad back-to-back. Eddie Trump's happy Chris Jericho, too oh yes yes happy cheery jericho yes that's the kind we like uh so we had him on to to uh review the kiss album madness tournament we love having him on every year to kind of break down and analyze the picks what went right what went wrong so our poll was uh which of the final four studio albums so the four studio albums that made it the furthest which would be the champ if live and compilation albums were not included rock and roll over one with 34 percent destroyer at 31, love gun at 18, creatures at 17. That just shows you how it, it's wow. all about ma- it's all about pairings and matchups. Love gun got 18% yet it played for the championship against Alive. It's yeah. just like sports. It's where your matchup is. Yeah. Uh, um so couple comments there. <laughs> Joel Hoffman, you guys said cult More times than a Heaven's Gate documentary. (laughs) The three most overrated things in history: Creatures of the Night, Revenge, and Ace's solo album. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Party Man. For me, Destroyer wins simply because it has Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, God of Thunder, and their first award-winning song, Beth. Graham Richley wrote that. Rock and Roll Over. Best deep cuts kiss album of all time. Far more consistent than Destroyer. Yes, that is true. Uh Bill Elam said, I voted Rock and Roll Over, but I doubt if it could hold up against the legions of Destroyer fans. No, Bill, you won. Rock and Roll Over won. Lee Brut and Rock and Roll Over for sure. Destroyer is a good album, but after a live, it was always going to sell bucket loads because Kiss were in it. We're in. Rock and Roll Over has better lyrics, licks, sound, and a far better cover. Ooh, that could be a future debate. On the fly. He's a buddy there with his own podcast of his own doing music stuff. Rock and Roll Over is my choice, and that has changed over the past three years. One of my favorite Twitter handles, Pocket Rocket Ride. <laughs> all, all of those studio albums are great, but the GOAT continues to be Destroyer. It has more Kiss Classics than the others. Eh, I don't know about that. Uh, Stuart H., got to go with Love Gun, with the exception of Then She Kissed Me. Okay, all right. A uh, lot of people rock and roll over, which is why it, which is why it won. Uh, and then a, then a couple comments, episode-specific-wise. We always read some episode-specific comments here, um, which was nice. Steve, Steve and Deuce chiming in with some great comments. I just want to read one thing that Deuce said. He had some really uh, nice thing to say. Been listening to you guys every week for two years now. Episodes are always good, some better than others, of course. However, when Jericho was on, it's always great. He lifts everything up. From the topic to the conversation, from the humor to the both of you. Thank you, Deuce. Yep, we love having Jericho on. He is awesome. We love him. Uh, John Schaefer. If Kiss released a version of the first record with the Eddie Kramer produced songs, this bracket would have been much different. Production on the first three records was horrible. I voted for the first record because of the songs, but Paul Stanley is the better produced album. Okay. Gerald Rosenberg. Not Saul. Gerald. The distaste for rock soldiers upsets me. Actually, it made me very insecure. I had a higher security service. I wound up punching the balls off myself. As I'm typing this, I ripped half the hair out of my freaking head. Okay. Sorry you feel that way. Um, Polly the Wog. Another great episode. Jericho referenced Kim Mitchell, former lead singer of a band called Max Webster. I grew up with his music here in Canada. One of my favorite rockers, good stuff. Yeah, there's some Twitter stuff. A lot of people were excited about uh, the tournament. It was great, and having Jericho to wrap it up just makes it even better. So very cool stuff.
1: Over on YouTube, YouTube, Marty White, guys, I think something was wrong with my brackets. When I ran the numbers, one for all won the Kiss album tournament, and send in the clowns Was the best cover song. Yikes. Oh, Oh boy. Anthony Stratus, always a highlight when you have a guest on of Chris Jericho's caliber. Keep rocking, guys. All right. MTL Voots. Yeah, (laughs) Coaster. Great show, guys. This one episode gave us, the listeners, a chance to hear you. and Y2J's thoughts on so many of the KISS albums. So true that we tend to choose our favorites based on the era when we first became Kissaholics. Nice. While Rock and Roll Over was the first new album I remember being bought, my brother and his friends would constantly play the first three. He had bought a used copy of the originals, along with Alive on the Turntable, literally all day long on weekends and in the summer months. So when I hear the distinct sound from those, my mind goes back to that period where they sound so raw. Really love you guys playing the full three songs of the Dick Clark show. Hmm. It sounded excellent. Had no choice but to crank up the volume as it was in 1974. Since we likely have another five to six months of COVID rules, It would be hilarious if you guys did a madness tournament with non-Kiss-like actions by all KISS members competing against each other. Like Paul's prosciutto pasta post versus Gene's family jewel show. Or Peter throwing a drumstick at Paul versus Ace's ex-wife accusing Gene propositioning her. Anyways, keep up the awesome work, boys. Oh, Thank geez, you, Costa, awesome. but I don't think that's going to work. And then we got another one of our favorite things, Tom, and that is uh, Asian porn links. I saw, I saw that <laughs> they're back. Yep. Thank <laughs> you for the Asian porn links. Well, much appreciated that. Um, <laughs> over on our Facebook page, Jack Benaccio. <laughs> una menzumaramma mia mamma ridace
0: diryali godattare mamma mia ben accerro sedete
3: nello bei cielo i suoi i se ne z popolo bei sham banedena
2: cek kim yapala la la la
1: Tom, we're full of theme songs today. Everybody's um, getting one. Yep, yep. Uh, Jack and Costa, you know the drill, guys. Anybody listening? When their names come up, you get the Greek theme, and Jack gets the Italian theme. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. I love the episodes with Chris. He's just a pure fan. Tells it how it is love his eighties kiss. And it's great to hear someone passion about eighties kiss. Also, thanks for answering my question. Anytime, Jack, we Mm -hmm. love you, brother. Absolutely. Buddy Graham Richley, Great episode. The people have spoken and the people got it right. Ace is the best of the solos and no, I'm not in a cult. (laughs) (laughs) The ace cult hashtag. I think picked up Tom. Yep. Um, Live to Win is Cringe. No. No, it's not. <laughs> You're not going to like this? Hey, Carnival of Souls deserve to be beaten by a half-ass symphony effort. <sighs> Stop. I love the debate in Passion, and I can't wait for next year's. Thanks, Graham. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> Michael Anderson. Uh-oh. <laughs> hey Zorba. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um that um, so, um that's Zeus, and uh Zorba is um um Montreal voots, better known as Costa's theme song, please get that right, <laughs> anyways, hey, Zorba, was that a Paul Stanley impression or Vinnie Barberino? Oh, yeah, my geez. Paul is pretty weak, hey, Joe, you can't do a fucking Paul Stanley impression. But you can do one of me trying to order a sandwich at McDonald's. (laughs) And that's all I got from Facebook, Tom. I think you got an email you want to read? Yes, we
3: do. Uh, These are some of our favorite ones. New listener emails. Casey Campbell, new listener to the show. Hey, guys, recently found your show over the month. I'm glad to hear fans like you guys being honest on topics related to the band. Your show has made me think more about their music and that it's okay that I'm not the only one who hates monster. Woo I do like carnival of souls. Thought it was cool to see the guys venture out and do something different. Not always agree with what you guys say, but the show makes me laugh. Now I'm digging through the older episodes. Excellent. Love that. Now I'm off to listen to the elder and the Paul Stanley solo album. Ooh, one question. Do you guys think they have any audio from concerts during the Eric Carr years? I would love to hear a concert CD from those years, and I feel it's an injustice that there has not been released already. Casey in Idaho. Casey, we talk about that all the time. Um, This week's question of the week is kind of related to that. So, yeah, we we always talk about a live Eric Carr, something other than Animalize live, like an actual audio CD. But I don't know. I know
1: there's bootlegs out there if you're into that, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, Angelo Capasso Come on Three exclamation points Hi guys With all due respect to Mr. Jericho Uh oh I disagree with the view of his Kiss debut album Plotting Put like 15 question marks Listen, without Kiss debut There is no Kiss alive Kiss debut album Is like the greatest hits album to me I understand the tempo on Alive Is picked up Like most live records are and don't get me wrong. Alive is a kick-ass album, but the way Jericho brushed off the debut really bothered me. He's making it sound like deuce and black diamond suck on the original without kiss harder than hell Dress to kill. There is no alive. It's that simple. Now I agree that alive saved kiss and got them to the next level, but you can't throw the debut album under the bus. No fucking way. That's just my opinion, if that even matters. Peace out, guys. Angelo, of course your opinion matters. Everybody's got a right to their opinion, and everybody should be able to proudly speak it without being insulted. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. No,
3: but hey, Angelo, we love you, buddy. And uh, we love Jericho. And anytime we get feedback on Jericho from you, great stuff. But. I don't know. Jericho kind of had a little bit of a point about the Kiss debut album. Sonically speaking, I don't think anybody's going to kind of argue with that. But I don't know. It's a good debate. That's why Kiss fans are the best.
1: Tom, I'm going to hop back over to Facebook. Matt Wallace. Great episode. I had a live, too, going all the way. Can't believe the debut got stomped. Chris and Jerry Cho... I think he's trying to. I think it's a typo, Chris Jericho, but it's Jerry 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 Cho. Cho. That's don't forget. Wait, wait, stop!
3: That's Jericho's new alias. Yeah. Hey, you guys have Chris Jericho on this weekend? No,
1: who's that? We got Jerry Cho on instead. (laughs) (laughs) Chris and Jerry Cho (laughs) are wrong about the debut. In my opinion, (laughs) I love the studio version slowed down. I also love the Alive versions, but I had the debut before Alive, so that probably is why I prefer it. P.S. I want Bridget Fonda to pull the trigger of my cream pistol. (coughs) What the fuck is that? And because he's picking on Bridget Fonda to pull the trigger of his cream pistol, um, you, the fan, Matt Wallace, are comment of the week good answer good answer like the way you think
4: i'm gonna be watching you <laughs>
3: oh yeah gotta love it yep Yep. great stuff thank,
1: thank you matt so tom what we usually do from here we uh go over to kiss world yes so the big
3: news this week was the announcement of Netflix coming towards a deal or having an agreement uh, for a KISS biopic, which, ugh, I'm nervous about this. At first, I was, like, super fired up, and then I'm like, ah, man, like, the dirt was kind of, eh. I didn't see Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know. We, we know if there's a KISS biopic, it's going to be hand-picked. Uh, by Paul and Gene about what's in there and what's not. Uh, look, obviously, we're going to watch it. Who knows? We're going to do a friggin' episode on it. <laughs> so we're excited for it. But yeah, that was the big news. Um, it says, according to sources, Netflix is tying up a deal after a bidding battle. It'll be directed by a Norwegian filmmaker. The script is written by somebody I've never heard of. The, pic- the, the picture will be a co-production of Atmosphere Entertainment and Universal Music Group. And it will have close cooperation from Gene and Paul, obviously. So that is a huge thing. That's that's big news. Uh, and I, th- I know a lot of people are kind of excited and who knows what it's going to be like. But if you follow Kiss and if you listen to us, you do, you know that if Paul and Gene are in it, you're going to hear their version of the story. Um, which that's what happens anyways when you're watching a biopic. You're hearing certain people's angles and certain people's version of the story. Um, so that's a big thing. And then speaking of biopics and documentaries... This week's guest, uh, we asked him about this topic, too, was the new documentary about Eric Carr, which is very exciting. Um, That was just announced. Eddie Trunk himself uh, tweeted it out. Carrie Stevens tweeted something out.
1: uh, Yeah, Carrie had texted us about it. Yes. And she was like, uh, wanted to give us a little sneak peek about what's coming down. Yep. And uh, she's like, "But, but unfortunately, it's already out. Eddie mentioned something. Yep. And uh, yeah, exciting. Yep. And uh,
3: we'll, we'll save that for when you hear us talking with Eddie. Uh, he, we address that. We ask him about this documentary. Uh, so that's exciting, too. And in terms of other news, so last week uh, we talked about Bruce Kulick doing his live show in Vegas with his wife and with uh, Todd Kearns. And that was last week. And I guess you can, you, you, you can still access that show uh, until the end of the month. Um, tickets are $15 and you can access it, you know, online. It was already live last week, but you'll still be able to see it. And courtesy of our good friend, I say that hesitantly, but our good friend, Sonny. Pooney. <laughs> I kept hearing guys go,
1: Sonny Pooney, Sonny Pooney, And I remember waking up, who the fuck is Sonny Pooney?
2: <laughs> so,
3: uh, he shared the set list. So if you're interested, I'm going to read the set list here. So they open up with coming home. They did tears of falling. They did a Elvis Presley cover of that's all right. Then they went into rock bottom, a Beatles cover of hard days night who wants to be lonely. Uh, And then I believe if I recall correctly, uh, Bruce's wife, Lisa came out and they did Nancy Sinatra's. These boots are made for walking and Judy Garland's somewhere over the rainbow. Then they did. uh, every time I look at you, the who cover of behind blue eyes, the rolling stones cover of wild horses, forever and then closed out with a pretty awesome unplugged version of Detroit rock city. So check that out. Uh, you can just Google it and find all that information online. It's still available until the end of the month. So got to love Bruce doing that. And anybody that saw those guys perform in the kiss masquerade last December, it was unbelievably awesome.
1: Yeah. And by all accounts, including Sonny Pooney himself said they did a great job.
3: Yeah, it was great. It was, I haven't seen it yet myself, but I loved the, uh, the kissmas one. So
1: yeah. And uh, for all those that are just curious, uh, if you go to episode 47 for us, we did Larger Than Life. We called it. That's our episode where we talked about what we think should have been in any KISS movie or documentary. That's right. I think we gave it a top 10 KISS moments that should be in it. Yep. I am pumped that we'll get to actually listen to that. If you listen to that episode, you get to compare to figure out if any of those. Comments of how right we were about what Ends up showing in a documentary Or the uh, Netflix uh, movie special so Yeah that'll absolutely be that'll, that'll be fun Yep yeah. so episode cool stuff four, Yeah episode 47 larger than life Yep Um. Then our good friend pandemic Paul was in the news Apparently he had a, Like an estate sale And so you know I think there was like A, a bat signal got sent out To the kiss nerds and all of a sudden, on the internet, exploded. Like people were running to his house and literally buying like Q-tips or something. There was like, "Hey, I found a fucking doorknob, in fucking Paul Stanley's house." It's like that scene in Seinfeld. Swarm,
3: swarm. It's like, what the hell? Oh, look at this! I got, I got a stack of paper plates from
1: his pantry. Woo! I, I got, I got a pre-packaged. Container of beef, a beefaroni. <laughs> if you
3: listen to our ACDC episode, I got Paul Stanley hungry man dinners out of his freezer.
1: I got the Solberry Steak. I've got meatloaf Mondays. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Christ. Anyways, people are like were panicking, like running through the streets to fucking auction off all sorts of fire, just like. Household like items that they were finding in his house. And then I see people on Twitter like, is
3: everything all right with Paul? Why is he having in an estate sale? What, what's going on? What, is he dying? Oh, is yeah, something going yeah. he, he's getting rid of all of his stuff? I'm like, dude, usually when they move or like destroy a house or something, it's like, hey, just take this shit. I don't want to pack it up. Get rid yeah. of it. If you if you guys want to buy it.
1: Right, stars do that celebrity jericho did that in florida when he moved like, yep. i don't want to pack all this stuff so i'm gonna have a, they hire a company it's done professionally and yep. and it's done like tastefully and they just start you know taking the shit off and it's it's a nice way of you know there's also that little bit of the uh you know recycling kind of mentality like i'm not just gonna throw everything in a dump like right. people will take this stuff okay right great. Yep. so yep. paul was doing that but the thing that i really enjoyed is Paul put a picture up of him and Bob Ezrin. Yes. So if you can recall, Bob was on Eddie Trunks, and we talk about this real briefly with Eddie. Bob was on on Eddie Trunks' show, and he broke the news that, this was a while back, that Paul is upset with him and that they don't talk because when he did (laughs) the (laughs) background work on uh, Julian Gill's book, on the elder, yep. He must have, you know, probably shit on the elder or whatever. I have that book. <laughs> yeah, but he said that Paul got wind of some of his comments and is and won't speak to him. Mm-hmm. So Paul doesn't do anything by accident. Just out of, yeah, by accident, just no. on a whim. Nope. But he put a photo with his arm around Bob Ezrin and took the picture. Yep. To me. I'm like, wow! What could that mean? And I, I don't know. I mean, I could be dreaming, but maybe let's get the band back together. Maybe Bob is one of those guys. If they can repair that relationship, all right, I'll go out on a bang with Bob Ezrin, produce maybe a couple tracks for us. Maybe that's something that he can live with and be okay with. Um, I mean. Paul's comment was only the sun's coming out. So awesome to have lunch with my dear friend, Bob Ezrin today. They had lunch.
3: Yeah. That, that, I, if Look, you're a kiss fan. You know, that's a big deal. Like we, yeah. like we said, Paul doesn't do things accidentally or organically. Everything he does is, you know, th- there's kind of a reason behind it. So for him to just randomly throw up a picture of him and Bob, I don't know. Now, again, are we dreaming for them to, Get come together and and collaborate Yeah, of course course we're dreaming but we would love to see them collaborate so that Monster isn't their last album and and that so these some of these these Kiss albums they've been putting out that have been produced by Paul that we're not too thrilled with can maybe have Bob come in and and take care of it now that being said there's a lot of people that aren't happy with Revenge or Music from the Elder and some people think Destroyer is pretty good other people think it's the greatest album ever made so maybe there's people out there being like I don't want Bob Ezra producing another Kiss record
1: but you know what, I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it has something to do with all the documentaries and all the stuff going on. Could be. Right? Could be. Bob played yeah. a huge role. Absolutely. Like, okay, well, in order to get the rights to this or this and that, we need yep. Bob. And Correct. And Paul to do that. Yep. But even more importantly, one, about a day, uh, yeah, more, more yesterday, cooked up some fettuccine with olive oh, oil, salt, tomatoes, <sighs> onion, garlic, basil. Hot sausage, mushrooms, white wine, butter, a little cream, and spices. Just had to add Parmigiano, Reggiano, and Sarah and I ate it all. And it's a small olive garden type of plate or something Dude. of kind of weak looking pasta here. Dude, that is Applebee's to go. <laughs> that, that's what that is. Like, stop, Paul. Oh. Stop. Just when we thought Pandemic Paul had left the building, Pandemic Pasta Parmigiano Paul is back
3: baby. He's back and he's not going anywhere.
1: Yeah, and then the, he he Paul validated the Netflix issue by saying true. Yep. And then uh the last thing I will just mention is that Paul did jump in on the conversation about uh Iron Maiden on um, Blabbermouth's comment about Iron Maiden not getting in the into uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, possibly. Right. And Paul, you know, went, defended them. And it was n- nice to see, uh, regardless of whether Madison made Maiden, not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is insanity. You know, the, you know, and he's basically flying the maiden flag. Good for him. I, I love when Paul does that. Uh, I do too. It's I, rare, I but I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest Maiden fan, but anybody who doesn't think
3: Maiden shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame is that's that is insane, exactly. insane that they're
1: not in. But the reason why I specifically like this one is because it's a heavy metal band. Exactly. It's, it's not it's- Paul saying Otis Redding should be in the rock. And right. roll. Well, no shit. Otis Redding is a classic artist. Yep. Oh, I find that Mozart is a fantastic artist. Yeah, no yep. shit. Right. But it's not somebody that he needs to validate to make himself look good. No, he's, he's vouching for a classic. Yeah, he's vouching for a classic metal band that everybody yeah, loves. The, the people that would vouch for that and agree with him on that are not like some elitist critic that he's looking for approval from. So right. it's very surprising that he does that. So maybe pandemic Paul is leaving again. Who knows? He's, he's on that seesaw. Who knows? He's not leaving. He's not leaving. Yeah. he's not well, leaving. Well, Tom, before we go into the uh, episode, let's talk about Patreon. Our Patreon account is uh, somewhere where you guys can help and contribute to the show. And uh, we have different levels and tiers that anybody wants to get involved. There's tons of information there. We get involved with all the guys there and girls that are on Patreon with us. And we have a nice, nice kind of click going there. And we are fortunate to have a new Patreon member, too. Jim Riley jumped in. And he's on the Gene. Actually, we don't call him by the names. We call him by the characters. Ooh, Eddie wouldn't like that. <laughs> he's in the he's in the demon tier. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, Jim, thank you so much for jumping on board. We greatly appreciate it. And we always like to give a shout out to all our Patreon members for all their help and support for the uh, for the show. If you are interested, you want to find out and what's it all about, and what does it mean, and all that fun stuff. Just go to the Patreon app or the website, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. Or if you look at the episode notes when you find this podcast episode, you can see in there we have links to our email, links to our Facebook page, our Facebook group page, and we have a link to Patreon. Check it out. If you if you find something that interests you, ask or have a question on something, let us know.
3: Absolutely. Guys, we say this every week. We can't thank you enough. And Jim Riley, welcome. Thank you so much. Big fan of the show. We appreciate the interaction and we certainly appreciate uh, you jumping on board and being part of the Patreon family. So thank you to Jim specifically, but thank you also to everybody else that is uh, part of that Patreon family. Uh, We have a lot of fun over there. Uh, people being involved with uh some things that go on with the show some special polls it's, it's a good time so like zoo said check it out if it's uh you can get some information and see if it's something that you're interested in
1: and now we're on to our main discussion tom and that is our interview with eddie trunk uh eddie gave us his time and he was very gracious with time we were very fortunate. I mean, we could have went on for hours and hours and hours. And you guys know, we don't have a problem talking for hours and hours. Mm-hmm. But um, it was better than I expected. A lot better than I expected. We had more time. We, we didn't just pick around the corners. We went directly at him about our concerns and our issues that we've had over the years with him. Um, we addressed them. We went straight up. We talked to him. He was a man about it. He said, yeah, no problem. Let's talk about it. And that's a big tip of the hat to anybody that can do that. And we talked it through. There was no name calling. There was no yelling at each other. There's no condescension. There was none of that stuff. It was a fun conversation about kiss, our, our uh, similarities, and our differences. Yeah, we came right out of the gate and
3: we told him, you know, we, we're, uh, you know, you'll hear it. We came right out and addressed those issues that we have talked about over the years about things that he says about Kiss and about rock in general. And uh, that's how the interview started right off. And before we started recording them, we told him that that's how the angle that we want to go with. We spent a lot of time on those topics, and then we got into some some Kiss specific things that are going on in the world of Kiss, Paul and Gene, and different things like that. It was just fantastic and gracious very open to the conversation, no issues whatsoever. And, 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 you know, it was just a, it was an honor for us to have him on. And we're just excited for you guys to hear what he
1: had to say. I, we can honestly say there was stuff that he said that I'm sure a lot of you guys haven't heard. Um, he kind of, yeah, he kind of opened up about a bunch of stuff and we had a, a fun discussion and he gave us his opinion. We gave it ours and, uh, you know, nothing left, but to, play the interview. So here it is. We got a
3: little surprise for you tonight. we microphone over to- author of Essential Hard Rock and Heavy Metal Volumes 1 and 2, host of Trunk Nation, weekdays on Sirius XM Volume and Monday evenings on Sirius XM Hair Nation, host of the hopefully soon to return to TV That Metal Show, and host of the Eddie Trunk podcast, that's right, here on Shout It Out Loudcast, the one and only Eddie Trunk. Eddie, welcome to the show.
2: Tom and Zeus, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Fantastic. So every time,
3: this is is a huge thrill for us and a huge thrill for our listeners, and we're going to get into all that. Every time we have a guest on, our very first guest way back when the show first started was my college roommate and, and friend from growing up. We have five questions just to get things started on every guest. They're kiss-related questions, very basic, but we're excited to ask them to you. Once we get through that, we're going to jump right into some uh, questions and some kiss talk. So,
1: okay, all right. So, pretty simple. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to answer this one, but when, favorite what? kiss? Yeah, favorite kiss member.
2: Um well, from when I discovered the band and the whole time I was, you know, a super fan of the band as a kid was absolutely Paul Stanley.
1: Yeah, that's that's probably better before you met them professionally and everything. Yeah, else. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: and, you know, I think people change things, change experiences, change perceptions, change. Perceptions change. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what you learn about people changes. But yeah. uh, when I was a kid and when I was all in on Kiss and and they were my gateway band and all my years of uh, of loving the band, and and honestly, throughout the band's whole career, everything their recorded history, I was always a, a fan of Paul's as my favorite member. Awesome. Now,
1: I you can always add at the end of these questions right now or today. So, favorite Kiss song?
2: Oh wow!
1: Yeah, <laughs> you can go with wow. today. <laughs> What's your favorite song today?
2: Oh, my gosh. I mean, I've actually never been asked that. I mean, that's brutally difficult because there's just so many. Yep. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, I mean, just if I was coming up with a song off the top of my head right now that I feel like hearing, uh, A Million to One.
3: Uh, Oh, great one. Wow. Good call.
1: All right. I could
2: never give you a favorite song across the board, but uh, that's a song I always love hearing.
1: Okay. Right. And that solo was incredible on that song. I love it. The vocal's is
2: incredible too.
1: Yeah. 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 Yep. The lyrics. See, yeah. I always think there are like some critic songs from Kiss that if you say, hey, listen to this, some, you know, snobby Rolling Stone critic or somebody else, you'd be like, wow, that's a great song. Yeah. yeah that's, that's Kiss. A great song. Yeah. That and Black Diamond, I would throw on for anybody. Favorite Kiss album.
2: Whew, you guys are tough. Um, yep. Can I give you two? Sure. Sure. I would say it's a kind of a toss up right now, at least between rock and roll over and creatures. Oh,
3: okay. Creatures. All, all right, right,
2: Tom. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. Because you got to get it off. <sighs> no, because that go could
3: ahead. be the whole episode. I always say that Creatures is one of the most overrated albums in their entire discography. That people get caught up with the sound and they don't really pay attention to the fact that the songs are not great. But
2: see, I feel that way about Revenge. I think. No. Revenge, <laughs> I think. I think Revenge is incredibly overrated. Personally, and everyone points to that as one of the big three or four records. But again, it's all personal taste. Not that yeah. I dislike Revenge, but yeah. I just think Revenge tends to be overrated
3: yeah i gotta tell you real quick before we move on i gotta tell you before we started this podcast i thought revenge was universally loved and then we started this podcast and we started having <laughs> guests on and doing different things and being on twitter and facebook And i'm like wait there's people that think revenge is overrated holy <laughs> shit i can't believe this this is unbelievable
2: yeah. I, don't, I don't dislike the record at all it's just right. not a record that i go to on any sort of regular basis I think it has some weak moments. I think I just, you know, I think it's got some great moments. But I just, yeah, I mean, when I think of that cluster of time for Kiss, the the record I really like that I think maybe is overlooked. I think is maybe the best of that string is Asylum. I think Asylum's in the oh, amazing yeah. record. Yep. Uh, but and I think that one doesn't get the credit it should. Where Revenge, I think, gets a little too much credit. Interesting. Yeah. So
1: we purposely, in our Kiss Madness tournament, put creatures in revenge in the same uh bracket and they went up against each other and creatures beat revenge
2: yep oh is that right yeah
1: the fans voted creatures beat revenge yeah so we put the twitter polls we judged that madness tournament by twitter polls and the fans voted creatures yeah um i don't know if this works with you how many kiss concerts have you been to
2: i I wouldn't know the exact amount I didn't keep track uh, but I would say give or take I mean my first was 77 my last wow. was probably the last time I saw them was probably oh eight okay so and it was at a festival. so uh I would say roughly a hundred. oh wow okay. I, I think roughly a hundred, maybe a little less. It's, it's really hard to say, do you count seeing a solo?
3: No, 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 no. All
2: right. So then maybe it's less than that. It would probably be, I don't, I don't know, probably, probably closer to maybe 50 then. Wow. Okay. I know that's a lot less, but now that I'm really thinking about it, I mean, there was a stretch of time, especially in the eighties where I would go to four or five shows on a tour Especially when I got to know Eric Carwell, I would go out and hang out with him. So, and I factor all that in, and then I then I then I stopped going to see them after a certain point. So, it's probably closer to around fifty.
1: Okay. So, I
2: think you're about. Tied right around
1: that part with our buddy Joey Casada for the okay. for, for
2: the most. Yeah, Joey's a little younger than me, so yeah, that's pretty good for Joey. And but he's before, com- joey and he's, opened some shows. That's what so exactly. Yeah, that he toured counts with counts him a lot too. Right. Yeah, right. That's
1: that's the part that he was kind of cheating on, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So now the last one is. I always like this. Is my favorite question. What's your favorite kiss memory? We know you have a lot, obviously.
2: Yeah uh I would have to say it still remains the very first time I saw them and even though I was just 13 I remember it pretty clearly and it was uh December 16th 1977 it was the third of three nights at the garden for the alive 2 tour oh. in New York City and I was driven you know, I was way too young to drive or anything like that but an older a friend and her, his older sister took took us in and it was my first time really going into New York City and going into Madison Square Garden and experiencing a rock show and the sights and sounds and smells of the street walking in, the buzz going in, then going into the building and my seats were way up high at the garden and then smelling the the smell of marijuana for the first time in the air as a thirteen year old, <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out what the hell was that, and then yeah. getting all the way at the top of Madison Square Garden. And um, the, the the thing I always remember about it is is the fact that I couldn't. And you have to remember, I was thirteen at the time. I could not co- process the concept of amplification. I couldn't understand how these guys that were tiny because I was so far away, it could be so loud where I was sitting. (laughs) So that was like, you know, and that first came to me with the opening band. And then when Kiss came out, so those are, you know, those are very vivid memories, even though they were so long ago. But that obviously was a really impactful experience and, and is widely considered the pinnacle of Kiss. So I would have to go with that.
3: Perfect. Can't argue with that. Yep. Can't argue with that.
2: So, Tom, All let's right. uh, get
1: into the questions, buddy. All right, so we're going we, to start off with uh, a, a,
3: a a good dialogue here on a couple of issues that Zeus and I have talked about a lot on our show regarding strong opinions that you have on your shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I can tell you right now, when our listeners find out that you're coming on here, that the first thing they're going to be is, wow, holy shit, I can't wait for them to talk to Eddie about some of these things. So the first thing we want to talk about is a topic that you have waved the flag for for a while and that is the concept of bands performing quote unquote all live all real plug in and play and the concept of bands using backing tracks vocal tracks enhancements whether they're electronic or or whatever and the concept of a band like kiss Specifically Kiss, specifically Paul Stanley, having a bullseye on them for those kinds of criticisms F- from Kiss fans, you know, across the board, but also a lot from you specifically, whereas we see other bands such as, you know, say a band like like Def Leppard or a band like Tesla.
2: Which is probably using a little bit of assistance, too. And whether or not people like that or not. not. Tess, no, no, no. You picked two bad examples there. Okay. I, all right. I know, I, uh, guys, I know those guys personally, and they okay. themselves on not doing that. But, okay. So, I, so I, there's plenty of other bands that do it. Okay, don't get me wrong, but that would be two bad examples. in my, Okay. Because I know, right. I know for a fact. I know the, these people personally. So
3: Okay. All right. Yeah. That's perfect. So I, I'll stand corrected on that. But I guess my ultimate point is... The concept of a band like Kiss, who, yes, some people would rather them not use that. They'd rather just plug and play and have Paul do it. Paul can't hit those notes. We know that he can't hit those notes. So if there is some enhancements, what is your stance on that? Would you rather that a band that we all love that's been around for 40, 50 years just stop or come out and maybe use a little bit of a lift? And continue to entertain their fans.
2: Stop. Everybody has to stop. Everybody has to know when to say when. Everybody has to know uh, when you're staying at the party too long, in my opinion. And the thing about it is, look, if you want to talk about uh, people who are critical of people uh, using tracks or uh, lip syncing or using these electronic enhancements, you know who's incredibly critical of all that? Paul Stanley. Exactly. Read the quotes, read the interviews. They're there for everybody to see prior to the allegations that he's now doing it. He was extremely critical of that. He used to call out a million bands. We don't have anybody under the stage. We don't do this. We don't do that. Well, I mean, and as far as the nobody under the stage thing, I mean, we all know that in the eighties, they had an offstage keyboard player singer. They had Gary Corbett for a couple tours, tours and they had Derek Sherinian for the revenge tour. So I just call out hypocrisy, man. That's all it is. I mean, people can do whatever they want. People can be a cool with whatever they want, accept whatever they want. But it's really hard when you were so critical of others doing it, and then you do it yourself or allegedly do it yourself. And the thing about it is this. Um, I am I'm not critical about that with Just Kiss. I feel strongly about that with every band. I think it's an epidemic. I think it's a problem. I think it's a really, really bad thing for rock and roll. And I feel I have to be really clear about this because people misinterpret it. So I have no problem if you have a, a song and there's a keyboard in it and one song in your set and you don't want to carry a keyboard player. I get that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like Ronnie James Dio, the times he didn't have a keyboard player and he would do Rainbow in the Dark, it was clearly, the the keyboard lick in Rainbow in the Dark was clearly a track. Nothing wrong with that. I get it. It's, It's blatant. It's obvious. It's not smoke and mirrors. He's not going to pay a keyboard player for one song. I get it. So I'm not talking about little effects like that. But when you've got bands that are doing guitars and instruments and tons of vocals, backing vocal, lead vocal. It's, it's an epidemic. And I know I've been, I've been told and thanked by so many artists for being vocal about this because you know, who hates this more than anything, the artists who actually do go and play a real live show. Mm -hmm. So I, I maintain that. Like if saying you think a live rock show should be live is controversial. Well, then, color me controversial because I don't see how yeah. that's remotely controversial. And when you say, What should an artist do if they can't do it anymore? Well, there's a few things. First of all, I also have to clarify I have no issue at all with artists who bring an extra musician or two on tour with them to fill out the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, Aerosmith does it, they introduce the guy, he's on stage they they he helping us out on vocals and keys and guitar here he is at the end of the show there's nothing hidden but when you have what i call them the laptop bands or the pro tools bands Mm -hmm. that go out there and half of the set is on a track where's what's the point of the live show like where's the variable where's the where's the without a net aspect of playing live and look it's rampant in pop music. Oh, yeah. In, in, in mm-hmm. pop music, it's not only rampant, but it's accepted. If you remember, and I reference this all the time, years ago, Ashley Simpson sang on yeah. Saturday Night Live. Oh, God. It got caught lip syncing. And there was outrage about it. Well, here we are 20 years later in the world of pop, and every award show, every pop artist is blatantly doing it, and nobody, yeah. pr- everyone looks the other way. That's one of the reasons I'm so vocal against it in rock. Because we're about halfway there right now in rock, and I don't want to see it go halfway there. I want to see it come back to real, organic, live rock and roll music. And when I host all these festivals and go to these festivals, I can tell you firsthand, you got one band that's out there that just poured their heart and soul into their set, that worked so hard to sound good. All these vocal warm-ups, all the things they did. And then they watch a band come on before or after them, where the people aren't, like, it's it's all on a track. and and, even, and it could be me, and I have no musical talent up there doing it, going through the motions. And yeah. then the audience talks about how great that band sounded. Imagine how you would feel if you were the band that just put so much into your craft. So I believe I got no problem with people using live help. I have no problem with bands tuning down, which tons of bands have to do. Mm-hmm. But when you reach the point when you physically cannot do it anymore, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, it's time to go do something else. One of my favorite, one of my best friends is the baseball player, Mike Piazza, yep, yep. Who went, who's a Hall of Fame baseball player and is a huge Rock fan. Mike isn't catching from the Mets tonight. Mike <laughs> isn't at the plate tonight. Mike isn't hitting home runs. Mike knew eight stops for no one. He can't do it. But what is he doing? He's still involved with the Mets. He still does promo work. He's still on the TV. So it doesn't mean you have to check out completely. But I just believe that for everybody, there's a time and place where it's like that old phrase, you stay too long at the party. And uh, when it comes to KISS, the last thing on this, if you read any of the press that they did around the time of the original farewell tour in 2000, the reason they said they were stopping was for exactly these reasons. Like, they literally use that quote, we don't want to stay too long at the party, we do a high-energy physical show, we don't want people to ask, why are you still doing it? And so there's no shame in it. They were on board with all of this for a long time. So it's not just Kiss. Uh, to me, it's a problem across the board in rock and roll. And again, if, if saying that a live rock show should be truly live and that for your hard-earned money you should see a band playing live Uh, I think that uh, if that's controversial, then I don't know what's happened in the world of music. I think
3: one thing I think one one comment I want to want to say on that, and I think I think you you brought it up well, was that, unfortunately, I think Paul has a self-imposed target on his back because of what he says. Um, I'm wondering if maybe he would have been he would have been as targeted as he was had he never made those comments yet. I'm sure people would have. But I think you bring up a good point that because he said, oh, there's nobody under the stage, we're not doing this, and now people know that he is, or at least surmise that he is. I He's think not, that- alone,
1: right. well, not alone, Tom. We're not alone. Gene did well, he, it too. Gene right. with the, come see how the big boys do it. And yep. those comments too didn't yep. help.
2: Yep. Yeah, I mean, look, when you have that sort of bravado and you're going to step out like that and you're going to call others out like he did, and he absolutely did, and then, you know, the, those people too. I mean, imagine those people – you know, a lot of people knew some of the people he was talking about at that time. I mean, oh, imagine yeah. that, like sitting there and saying, okay, now look what's going on. Because look, we can say alleged and you want to say allegedly, but you just, I mean, just got to go on YouTube to see what's going on and it's pretty yeah. blatant. So, um, it, you know, again, the thing I have a problem with is beyond bands doing it, all bands doing it is unfortunately fans don't even know what's going on and they're so naive to it. And, and they don't, and I understand like a fan just wants to go and buy their ticket and have a good night out and have fun and see a show. I get all that, but maybe I'm too much of a purist. I just, to me, the whole idea of going to a live show is hearing how that band can execute live, hearing them jam, hearing how they change stuff up. I mean, I saw Aerosmith, a couple of years ago on their re- residency in vegas and they had a bad night i mean they 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 messed up a couple times and at the end of the night S- steven tyler said to joe perry he goes that was a rough one tonight joe to the crowd
0: yep. and
2: and joe goes yeah and he, Stephen turns to the crowd and goes but did you like it and i still have a great time and the crowd went crazy and i did it was like refreshing to see a band Sure, there were some stumbles, but that is the essence of a live rock show. And then I went back two nights later, and they were spot in, dialed in. So if you're, if those variables are off the table, and it doesn't matter if you can sing or play live, and you're always going to sound great every night, it's kind of like, what's the point? It just, right. it just, it just rips out at the heart of what rock and roll is all about and seeing a live show. That's my take. Look, there's a lot of people that look the other way at everything today. We're in a society now where everyone's extremely PC, extremely oh, yeah. sensitive. I personally don't cave to that stuff. It makes me nuts. And uh, I, I call it like I see it and how I feel it. I don't expect everybody to fall in line. Everybody makes their own decisions. But it's as simple as that. I just I just believe a live show should be live. Call me yeah. crazy. Real quick, Zeus,
3: I'm going to let you jump in Eddie, I just want about 20 seconds on this And I'm not trying to pile on Because this is one of my all-time favorite bands Yeah Def Leppard is, I I love them And I love Joe Elliott They sound like they're getting some help I'm I'm not asking
1: you to tell me that they are But they sound like they are I've seen them three times I'll tell tell you
2: exactly So I have a friend Who subs in that band Steve Brown Who is a guitar player from Trickster Yep. And Steve subs in that band. He is the uh alternate for for uh
1: Vivian
4: Vivian,
2: Vivian and he's all he subbed for Phil Colin as oh, well. Wow, okay. And Steve has told me publicly and privately the work that goes into doing those vocals. Okay, and, that's great. And, and and here's the other thing I can tell you another thing. And I, so so the, the thing about this, if Def Leppard were doing that, it would be really bad because they are vocal about not doing it. They are vocal about being completely live. Mm-hmm. And what they do do, what they do use is they have a system called uh, a fractal, which is a uh, yep. a thing where you plug your guitar in and you're not actually going through an amp. It's a, it's a device that recreates the guitar sounds that you dial into it. It's just a different processor for an amp, but that's guitar stuff vocally. They pride themselves on, on staying real Vivian and Phil and Rick are tremendous singers. And I'll give you one other reason why I know it's, it's live. Def Leppard did a cruise uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, uh, less maybe. And I hosted it. And on that cruise, Joe Elliott did not sing because he lost his voice. They okay. ended up having to cancel about five shows on the tour And on Def Leppard's own cruise, Joe Elliott was unable to perform. So Joe called me and said, hey, can you round up some singers on this ship that are in the other bands and see if they'll want to get up with my guys and guest on a few songs just so we could give the fans something? Okay, cool. And that's what happened. But here's my point. I sat in there and watched Soundcheck. And with the doors closed. And Def Leppard that day on that cruise played about four songs as a four-piece without Joe Elliott, with Rick, I mean, with uh, Vivian and Phil singing lead vocals. And I watched those guys two feet from the stage do those backing vocals, spot on, all real. I went out to their front of house guy, Ronan, and I said to him, I stood right there, I go, tell me straight these guys are all 100% singing. He goes, yeah, man. He goes, we don't do anything like that. It's amazing. So those guys put the work in it's a, uh, it's a compliment to them that people think that, you know, Absolutely. And, yeah. and that's, uh, you know, the same thing said, Tom Kiefer called my radio show. Cause years ago, someone accused him of doing it. he goes, it's the highest compliment you could give me. He goes, I put the work in. He goes, anybody can come stand on my stage. And I'll show you hundred percent. I would never do that. So there's guys that just have great backing singers in the band, and they do a great job with it. Good.
1: Awesome. Good, good.
2: awesome.
1: So, one of the things, that, just to move on from this subject, but I want to hit on, is we on this show know very well that we love Paul, but he's he's a little bit sensitive. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> a little? Yeah. Oh, we're being uh, kind a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we know he is. However, the and if I don't speak up for some of our listeners and stuff and myself, I- I'd regret this. I want to come back and, and, and ask you about this. Do you ever feel that because of your issues with Paul and Jean, that when you get an opportunity, I will say that I feel sometimes you will take that shot and kind of, whether it's a topic about kiss, whether it's online or Twitter or something, and you'll make the comment about singing live. Whereas I don't feel like it's being said Sometimes against other bands that are perhaps you're in a more friendly relationship with or come on your show. But with Gene and Paul, it's easy to say that because well, I don't hear it really or see it dictated or, or have a conversation about it with other bands like attached to that comment about live. But I do see it when it's Kiss. Well, so I feel I like know. perhaps you, like you're like, well, I don't care about those guys. I'll hit them a little bit when I get a chance.
2: Well, here's the thing. First of all, um, I don't know what people are seeing or hearing with with Kiss in terms of that subject, particularly because I've actually been really low key about that. I don't I don't know where people are picking up on that. That I've pounded away on that. I mean, Twitter, um, I, I can say. I, I mean, I've met. I've, I, maybe it's been mentioned once or twice, but God knows not that much. And I'll tell you what. I mean, the people that pound away at Paul on that. Have nothing to do with me. There are people all over on YouTube. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've seen YouTube videos of guys that have done uh put up uh waveforms showing that the audio is the the same every time. I saw somebody post a video the other day where you heard the the vocal track, it was a it was the monitor mix, and that was blatant, like right there. So I'm I'm not doing any of that. I don't have anything to do with those posts, but but there's people there's a lot of people that attribute a lot of things to me that I, asked, I actually had nothing to do with. But people <laughs> like doing that. There's people that come on my show and say things that I didn't say, but it gets attributed to me. Yeah, I there see it on are, the
1: YouTube stuff. Yeah.
2: You'll say, Eddie do- Trunk says this, yeah. and you yes. listen to it, and you're like, well, he didn't say that. He just read the, the viewer's comments. Right. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll stand up yeah. in a second for anything I've said. But one of my biggest problems with what I do is I have... A, uh, a very. I'm fortunate that in 38 years I built a very passionate audience, and and I appreciate that. But I have a show, and my show is modeled, as I call it, sports talk for rock fans. Mm-hmm. So if you just if you listen to sports talk, that team was great. That team sucked. This guy sucked tonight. This guy was great tonight. I want that open dialogue. But there's plenty of times that callers will call in. And have a position on something. And even if I don't comment on it or agree on it, because it happened on my show, it gets attributed to me. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there are there are artists that will come on and say stuff. Just yeah. happened recently with Geezer Butler. And even though I didn't say it, he said it, it gets attributed to me. <laughs> so I'm used to that. There are people that take things that I do all the time, cut it up on YouTube. I can honestly tell you guys, as I sit here, I have never posted anything on YouTube in my life. Sadly, this is pathetic, but I wouldn't know how to do it if you asked me to, (laughs) but fans do and fans get real creative with the editing and what they do and don't take. So reality and perception can be two very different things. And by the way, when it comes to this particular subject, I don't the reason why I don't always name names on it and call people out on it is because I need to know definitively that it's happening because right. to me, it's a pretty serious thing. Yeah. So you have people out there in the kiss community and it's not, it had nothing to do with me. It's not me doing it, but they're posting all the time, their proof and their, their thing. That's not to do with me. Um, I can tell you another example though, where I called it out, where it was blatant a few years ago. Bon Jovi were on tour and John was at the mic stand and he walked away from the mic stand and lead vocal came out of the PA and, (laughs) and a bunch of people sent me that clip and I tweeted that clip and I said, what's going on here? And you know, I was public about it. And I know John and I, John has been on my show. So, and the band uh defended it and explained that it was a their, their defense of it was it was a it was a track that they were using in sound check for the PA and that the sound guy mixed it wrong or something i don't know if that was true but they responded to it so yeah. it's not true i mean a lot okay. of kiss fans live in a bubble and think mm. it's all the whole world revolves around <laughs> it.
3: they do that's true
2: and, and i don't i mean i love kiss but my but there's a bit much bigger world out there Yep. I don't stress it. I don't worry about it. And one other thing to clarify about what you said a second ago, G- Gene Simmons has no problem with me at all. So it is not Gene Simmons. I know that for a fact. Okay. Uh, Gene does not work with me because he doesn't want the backlash of Paul. Paul wow. Paul Stanley runs KISS and has for a couple decades now. He yep. contru- no, I'm not saying him and Gene aren't equal partners. But Paul, anyone that knows anything knows Paul calls the shots. So um, Gene has personally told me he has no problem with me at all. I know Gene. Gene's a straight shooter. Mm -hmm. I know Gene would probably love to debate all this stuff with me. And we'd have a great, fun debate about it. We've had him in the past. So I know, but I know all those guys. And look, I don't blame them. Nobody wants to lose their gig. Nobody wants to deal with the guy. You said it yourself a second ago somebody that's hypersensitive to this stuff. Um, You know, nobody wants to deal with that, especially if you're working for them or with them. So I don't blame any of those guys for how they have to conduct themselves around me at the moment. It's just silly to me that I've said all the time, they're the one band you can't have an objective opinion about because (laughs) either the the certain segment of the fan base or whatever will come after you or that one of the guys in the band just blocks you out that's his prerogative. It's fine. But you can name me any band, guys, any band. And I love a ton of bands. And I will tell you exactly times I checked out, records I didn't like, shows I thought that sucked, lineups that I thought that sucked. And I'll have no problem doing that. And most of the bands will have no problem talking like that. Kiss is the one band where there's yeah. a, there's a person in the band and there's a segment of the fan base where... That's not allowed. You got to be on the track at that segment at that second on everything that the mandate is on that day. Otherwise, you're a problem. And that's yeah. just unhealthy, I think.
1: Yeah, yep. there's a couple things there. Um, I <laughs> the the running gag here is wrestling, Star Wars, and Kiss. The <laughs> most fickle fucking fans you'll ever find. And on that note, I've been saying for years now here, Paul is the band, Gene is the brand. There's no point at ever I can picture Gene putting his foot down about something, saying no, that Paul wants and that Paul doesn't get. But if Paul puts his foot down and says no, it's not happening. Right.
2: But Paul they, they, runs they that have stuff. A, Yeah, I mean, they're business partners, and they've been together forever, and they've got a hugely long and successful working relationship. And uh, most people on the inside will tell you that they're very different people, and they actually don't always get along at all or agree. But my, what I had been told was a co- was a number of years ago. Paul wanted to stop doing this, and he, you know, he knew. I mean, he's the front man of the band. I mean, he's got to bring a certain energy. He's got to be able to sing. He wanted to not have these questions that we're talking about being asked asked. He yeah. wanted to avoid this. Again, this isn't me talking. Just read the interviews. They said <laughs> it themselves. I can't. Yep. I don't make this shit up. Um, my understanding was, though, that that Gene basically like relinquished the decision making to him because he wanted to stay in, and Paul was kind of done with it. But then, by turning the reins over to Paul to make all the decisions, produce the records, call the shots, that's what kept yeah. Paul in the game. So Gene, you know, although Gene, I'm sure, has a very big voice, he also doesn't want to rock the the cradle, bec- rock the boat, because he wants to he wants to stay in it as long as he can possibly stay in it. I understand all of it. You know, my position with Tommy and Eric, which I've stated repeatedly, the part that gets cut out of that when people want to stir in the pot is that I have no problem with those guys. I have no problem with them having that gig. I have no problem with them in the band. They're talented people. They're good people. I've known them for a really long time. If they didn't have the gig, somebody else would have it. I have no issue with them whatsoever. If I'm going to have an issue with what they do... Uh, my issue is at the top because the, from the top, they were told, no, you guys are going to be these people and create and and do somebody else, someone else's personas. Mm-hmm. So I have I mean, I, and I understand Tommy and Eric are in the same boat. They can't talk to me right now because of the wrath that would come down on them. Yeah. But but so I have no issue with that. I don't blame them. What are you going to blow your gig to talk to some idiot like me? I get it. But I know those guys forever. I have no issue with them at At all, they do a fine job It's just not for me
1: Yeah, that was actually our second segue. so the other big thing is That we, you know, we know You've had your opinion about Tommy and Eric and thing So here's one thing that I've always wanted To ask you back If Peter didn't Have a problem playing with Tommy And Ace didn't have A problem playing with Eric Why should somebody else
2: well, so, uh, Peter claims, if you ask him, he he's my know. favorite member. So I, I'm with you, Peter. Now, so you I love represent. Peter. Yeah, I, I love Peter.
1: He's my favorite well, member. Everybody knows.
2: Peter too, heart and soul guy. Yep. But Peter claims that he did not know that Ace wasn't going to be a part of that. He has stated that publicly. He was upset when the tour started to find out that they had not reached a deal with Ace and that Ace wasn't doing it. Hmm. So Peter, Peter, Peter claims that there was a bait and switch that went on there. And I can tell you, (laughs) one of the last times I ever saw kiss, the lineup was with Peter and Tommy. And it Mm -hmm. was in Vegas at the Pearl at the Palms. I don't know what year it was. It's Mm -hmm. probably at this point, 17, 18 years ago. And, um you know, I went to an after party and I sat with all of those guys and Peter was openly, you know, not, not happy that Ace wasn't there Uh, openly Mm -hmm. like talking about it right in front of everyone. And so, so that's, you know, Peter's take and Peter's point on that. Um, And as far as Ace playing with Eric, I mean, you would have you would have to ask ace uh i it wasn't something for me either i didn't i wasn't i wasn't down with that either uh that being said i mean i i saw i think i saw that lineup maybe one time and um it still didn't sit right with me but guys let's be honest here we're fans for and but th- there's a huge thing here it's business mm, oh, it's yeah. business when you ask who's going to play with who and who would and who wouldn't play with who and what have you. We all know if we're not bullshitting anyone, we all know it comes down to what's the offer.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: if the offer is significant and it makes sense, everyone is going to go play with anyone. You know, Kiss did a show. I'll never forget this. I got a million stories, but I'll, I'll tell you this one. Kiss did a show. In New York City, a private show. Again, probably early 2000s. And it was a private show at Roseland Ballroom for Lane Bryant, the women's lingerie. Mm -hmm. And Ace called me up and said to me, hey, we're doing a private thing at Roseland for Lane Bryant. Five songs. I got a room at the Plaza Hotel. Why don't you come in, come watch the show and we'll hang out. Okay, cool. A couple of days before the show, Ace calls me up and says, forget it. I'm not doing it. I said, what do you mean? He goes, they're not going to pay me what I want. He goes, because, you know, everyone knows, I think that those guys, it's all hired gun yeah. stuff at this oh, point yeah. outside of Paul and Jean. Right. Yeah. And he goes, you know, they're getting X and I'm not getting this and it's not equal. It's not fair. I'm over it. This and that. Okay. Okay. And then Ace comes on my radio show and it announces he's not going to be a part of it for that reason. So he's, you know, Ace is very transparent about the money aspect of it to this day mm-hmm. um, and uh, said he wasn't going to do it and came on my show and asked me to post on my website that he would not be participating in that event. And then uh, the day before the show was supposed to happen, he calls me, he goes, it's back on, I'm doing it. I said, what? He goes, yeah, they met my number. Wow. So I said, okay. So I went in, I went, I attended it. I went to it. They played, that was, that was a lip, that was a play to a track, like completely. Like that yep. was like live vocal. By the way, that's a different thing too. When bands go on TV shows and stuff and like mm-hmm. the old American bandstand, they're blatantly playing to a track. We all know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was one of those deals. Cause there was models walking around while they were playing. It was weird. And, uh, after that show, Paul Stanley, I'll never forget, came up to me and he's like, oh, so uh, what happened? I guess your buddy is playing the show or something it's to me. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, you know, you went on the radio on your website. You said Ace wasn't going to be here. And now look, Ace is here. I said, Paul, I said, you don't think I know what's going on? I know that you didn't have a deal with him two days ago. I know you made an 11th hour deal and that's why he's here. Come on. You think I would just go on the radio and post that baselessly? So it's all about money. These guys are always going to respond to the money. As we speak, Paul Stanley is selling bottles of Pantene out of his shower at his house to fans. It's always about the money. I mean, let's call it what it is. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to go buy a bottle of shampoo uh, or his sofa, how it? it's not for me. Oh, we and know there's nothing wrong with him selling it, and there's nothing wrong if you got the money you want to buy it. I don't judge. I believe in capitalism. <coughs> Wonderful, Stupid. but let's call it what it is. You know, <laughs> it's about. It always comes down to the money. Yeah, no,
1: that that part is is I get it. My only thing is, I. To me, look, uh, Ace and Peter, I honestly believe at this point in their careers, they cannot do a full concert with Kiss.
2: Peter, no. Ace, I believe, could.
1: Okay, mm. I'm Paul. I- I'll picture this. I'm Paul. I've got all the money in the world. I've already got people all over my back about, um, you know, my singing and stuff. I'm on my last farewell tour. I'm enjoying it. Tommy's on time, Tommy's reliable. I pay Tommy this. I never have a problem. He's reliable. Do I want to go through my last tour miserable because I can't trust Ace to show up No, to be here on no. time? I don't want to deal with that shit. So to me, I think that's how he looks at it. And I can't trust that Ace will perform the whole way through on a long end of the road tour and I can rely on him. I don't think he Jesus, could have done it. That's Jesus,
2: my opinion. let me let me be clear. So the question wasn't should it happen? The question is, could it happen? I don't disagree with you. If I'm humming along and I got two pros and Tommy and Eric that play and are together and sharp and on it every night and it's working well and the money's coming in and it's and fans are, most of the fans are accepting it, I don't blame you. I don't change it up either. I I, I agree with you completely. But the question is, could they play a show? I think I think. Peter could play a few songs. I think yeah. physically it would be too hard for him to do a show. Mm-hmm. I think Ace could absolutely play a show or some shows. And the reason why I say that is, I was just with Ace two weeks ago for his birthday dinner. God, yeah, we saw, we saw. Is, yeah, yeah, if you see the photo, Ace looks great. His his girlfriend that he lives with right now is way into fitness. I you could tell. Like, and yeah. She's looking good. Yeah. Well, I looked at him and I said, Hey, I said, Ace, you look like you could fit in the costume. And he goes, I'm about five pounds away from what my weight to fit in the costume. So wow. he's in really good shape. He's been clean and sober for a long time now. He's still, look, in terms of music, mm-hmm. he's still the most active guy in terms of writing and releasing and recording music. Mm-hmm. So I think Ace could easily do a series of shows or a show. Peter will be the first to tell you drumming is physical and he's got, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult for a guy his age. So, uh, but, but I don't, I don't, I agree with you completely that you have to say, well, why would you, if you were Paul running the show and, and you can keep doing this, but there's one other thing about this. The last thing in terms of why you would consider calling ace and, or Peter to do something. If we're talking very honestly here, as we are, Mm -hmm is anybody in denial that the end of the end of the road tour and the last leg of it was not even close to sold out that many arenas had upper levels closed off that the Staples center in LA, when it was first originally supposed to happen, you can pull the seating grid. I have a screen grab of it. Someone sent me there were no tickets sold. Mm-hmm. So you, when you're out there pounding it for so long on an, as you just called it, the latest farewell tour. Yeah. yeah. Um. You you reach a point where it's like you know there's a lot of bands on the road. There's a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Your last run of dates were were half houses or three quarter houses. Uh, you're curtaining some upper levels. Those are all signs. You need a spike. You need something to, to send up a flare and get people excited again. That's the only reason why I could potentially see it happening because. When KISS comes back, they're going to be up against everybody on the planet on the road. Everybody who's been on yep. the back burner for Good a year point. and a half, dying to get out there. Good and point. And here you go with the same show and the same farewell narrative and the same band. Same set list. Already before this happened, doing not doing great business in terms of, I, look, I understand. I'm not talking about festivals. I'm not talking about Europe. I'm talking about in America, in arenas you're going to need some help maybe you're going to need something to get fans excited so that's the only reason i could see it happening otherwise i don't blame them for not doing it and i'm not saying they should
3: as right as that makes sense i really struggle to believe that paul stanley is going to admit that he needs help to sell tickets and that that help comes in the form of ace Frilly. i just i just don't
1: see paul stanley ever it, i paul it's would not rather ace. Paul, Paul Ace, would, he won't want Peter. I don't think him and Ace have that much of issue. I think Paul I don't is think, always the dick to Peter for some reason. But I'm it's not it's saying it's
3: I'm not I'm not saying it's it's a it's because of any animosity. I'm saying it's because of Paul needing anything. Oh, not that he his ego, his ego. They're right. Yeah. Not that he doesn't <laughs> like Ace. I don't think Paul's gonna gonna say we can't sell out these seats we need Ace, we need Peter, we need, you know, whoever. I just don't see him doing that. Maybe I'm wrong, well, I don't know. Well,
2: look, it, it ties into that narrative that they've put out there this entire final tour, which is when people have asked about Ace and Peter, the narrative is, well, they're welcome, they can come, they're welcome to play any time. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can <laughs> just pull up to the backstage door with your guitar and say, can I play? Right, come on. right. But right. that's floated out there because they, and especially in the beginning of this thing, they wanted people to think, hey, maybe tonight in Boise is the night that Ace walks out. You right. know? Yeah. Yep. If you keep that out there, if you keep that out there as like, hey, our door is open, it gives the fans the impression of like, oh, this really is going to be this big celebration, and the guys could show up maybe at the show I go to. When we all know that's not how it works.
1: Yeah, so Tommy always gives me crap about this, but here my theory about how it's going to end. The last 10 maybe dates, this is what I picture. How are you going to get Peter... And Ace, I don't think they're going to play the whole set, but I think they're going to be paid a number to come out. And what will happen is Tommy and Eric will have the makeup on. Then at a certain point, they go off the stage. They take off the makeup and then Ace and Peter come in on the makeup. And then both members, both Eric and Peter on the drums and both Tommy without makeup is playing guitar with Ace to back up. So there's no problems. And in case, Ace doesn't show up and then Ace Has got the makeup on Uh, Peter's got the makeup on Eric and Tommy Do not and they play Bruce Comes out that's your final Five or six songs maybe let's Say that's how they end their shows And that's how they'll end in New York City in the final Is that something that could get done And what is the number In your head I have to ask you since I have you on That you think would get Ace to go
2: To do this Okay, so Vinny's not involved in any way. I mean, yeah. I would love it. I just don't see them doing it. I'm just realistic. I I think
3: think everybody would love love to have Vinny there. Everybody would love to see Vinny, but we didn't even bring it up because it's so not going to happen.
1: I agree.
3: Yeah, I agree. So
1: Um, what's the number, and
2: what do you think of the idea of, and would it work? Well, first of all, I I never heard that idea before, Zeus. But I kind of like it. I mean, I think that's viable. I mean, I think that's an interesting idea. I never heard it. I never thought about it. Um, the number, I think, the number would be based on what's the show. Like, you you, you can't you can't just say the number because you the like say you're Acer Peter, right? Mm-hmm. And that's presented to you, and the 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 negotiations start, it's like, okay, well, what's, what's it going to cost? What do you want to do this? If I'm a Sir Peter, my question to give that answer would be, well, how many people are, pl- are going to be in the venue? What are you charging per ticket? Um, are you doing it as a stream? Is it going to be a pay-per-view? Is it going to be a movie? Right. You got to yeah. know what all the revenue streams are to know what your cut should be to make that happen. So it's impossible to give you a, a number answer without knowing the parameters of the whole business model of the event. But the, I think the idea is pretty good. Uh, do I think it'll happen? No. I yeah. mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think, and again, I'm only speculating, yeah. but I think that KISS ends what, I know they have the, had announced the last, last, last date, which of course now is going to absolutely be moved because Mm -hmm. of of COVID. But I think the last show is going to just be a last show. Me too. And they may announce it as such, but I think it's going to be the same band that's been doing this the whole time. I don't think Peter Ace go near it, barring some breakthrough negotiation. And I think what I said they should do for a last show, just throwing out ideas, is it should be free. Now we know kiss and free don't go hand in hand. But, you think? <laughs> but, but here's hear me out on this. So throughout their whole career, they've said the fans are the bosses. We owe the fans or nothing without the fans. Well, especially if you're not going to bring back former members, mainly Ace and Peter. Go to go to Central Park, home city free show, no ticket needed, bring a sea of people will wander in there if they're not paying for the ticket, and your final show is truly the thank you you always say you owe the fans, saying goodbye without charging anyone to get in, and you could have a couple hundred thousand people there hanging out on a beautiful day watching a Kiss show. And you say, okay, well, what about the cost of production, security, this and that? Imagine the amount of merch money that will come in when nobody paid for a ticket and it's a shirt to commemorate the final ever kiss show.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. And even if you got to dig in your pocket a little bit to offset that. So what, what a nice gesture, what a nice way to close it out Uh, above and beyond whether ace or Peter did it to me, that would be a really cool thing. That's purely speculative. But the reason why I say, I don't think they go down that road with ace or Peter at all either is there's a couple things going on right now. I mean, there's this documentary coming out on yeah. uh, that A&E produced, yep. and the director was in touch with me. He was very much trying desperately to get Ace and Peter involved. I don't know if Peter ended up agreeing to it. I don't think he did. I know Ace did not, and it was the same thing. It was like they were worried about the narrative. They were Ace was worried about the money. The you know what they were what they were willing to offer him and what they were going to do with the film. And then the fact that he was concerned that it's going to be the same old narrative, which is just Gene and Paul's story. Yep. And then the other thing is the other day the announcement of the biopic. Yes. Yeah. And if you read that release, it sounds very much like it's going to be Gene and Paul's story. Yeah, exactly. So, so they're just totally disconnecting from these guys, and I think these, I think Ace and Peter are kind of over it. And unless there's a uh, unless there's a huge deal made and some sort of meeting i i just think i just think it's all over as far as that's concerned which is kind of sad because i've said this before the last image anyone is ever going to have of the four original members in a room standing next to each other would be that photo of the rock and roll hall of fame yep. yeah. which for whatever reason they're all wearing sunglasses inside all night <laughs> <laughs> i never understood that they're all wearing sunglasses inside the whole night
3: i know uh, All right. So, so Eddie, we know your time is valuable. A couple more questions. We've kind of gotten those big controversial topics out of the way. I want to ask you what your thoughts are on this. So Paul Stanley's soul station, Zeus and I not long ago did an album review. Album reviews are part of recurring theme of our, of our show. Um, I had absolutely no interest in it at all. I listened to the album. I applaud Paul. He did a very nice job. It's probably not something that I'll ever go back to, but he did his passion project he it, it worked out fine for him. The problem that I had with Paul during this was as he was doing press for Soul Station, he seemed to minimize KISS in order to lift up and promote his project. For example, he did an interview where he said, well, you know, I don't really see a reason or a need for new KISS music. And, you know, and he was making kind of, you know, jokes and kind of comments about what would happen with that. And my theory is, okay, well, there's no need for soul station either, but you're Paul Stanley. You can do what you want, but he says there's no, you know, there's no need for new kiss music. It might not be received well, but then you look at their contemporaries bands like ACDC and Alice Cooper, who have put out new music that was received very well. The fans enjoyed them. They were cheap
2: trick, cheap Cheap trick,
3: trick. I'm sorry. Yep. Cheap trick. Another band that is putting out new music that is being received very well by fans, new fans and longtime fans, so my question for you is regarding the Soul Station thing and Paul's kind of dismissive behavior about Kiss's new music. Are they really not interested anymore in new music? Have they moved on past that and now they're just going to subscribe to being a nostalgia act? Were they were they not happy with the feedback that Monster got? Because Zeus and I are on record as saying that Monster was a terrible album in our opinion. Um, you know, and we're just we we don't want to see Monster being the last album uh that they ever put out so if you can give us your thoughts on on you know paul doing soul station him kind of minimizing kiss's attempt at new music and where they stand in the future if there is any
2: well he's look again not to i I just i just call it as i see it and as i've experienced it but again please do gotta do all you gotta do is look at history man the history it's all there for you to look at and to see and to read if you choose to do it and the fact of the matter is, Paul has made a habit of doing that for decades, of minimizing what was before to sell what's now. Yes. So it's always yes. about the sell now.
3: Absolutely. I mean, that's,
2: been a, that's been a trend forever with him. Like, when the when the Farewell Tour came around, well, this is the only version of the band. This is all that mattered. This is all that. You know, so each record, you could look at it like, like you know, that's happened. It's always about what's now and not objectively like, yeah, well, that was good, or that that's what we were doing at the time. So that's not uncommon, and I don't know why he feels the need to do that, but thats that's been a thing he's done for a really, really long time. Um,
3: it's very I, frustrating.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know where, you know, I, I don't know what the thought is on new music. Look, I will say this. I think that it is incredibly difficult for classic rock based artists to sell new music and have it played and people to care about it outside of their core base. Mm -hmm. That's why every classic rock record, whether it's Judas priest or cheap trick or Alice Cooper or deep purple, or you name the band the first week it's out. It's all about, look at us. We're number seven. We're number eight. We're number four, whatever.
4: and then it falls off a cliff where
2: the record is in three weeks because it's usually completely off the charts because it's all front loaded to the hardcore fans and then there's no real sustained support because classic rock won't play new music and the bottom falls out yep back when i grew up it was about where you entered the charts and then for a year you watch the ride go up and down with the singles that came out or the videos now it's pre-sell pre-load First week number, put out a press release, but don't ask about the record three weeks later because it's gone. So some artists are accept that and they just they just want to make new music, and others it's like it's not worth it. Um, yep. I I think that I just had Cheap Trick on my radio show, and I brought this up to Robin Zander, and he said to me, "I don't care how many people buy or listen to our new music." I got into rock and roll to write and create songs and play shows. And he goes, that's what I'm doing. He goes, I don't believe, you know, how you're not an artist if you're not still creating music and still, you know, being, putting out a record every couple of years. Right. So then there's others that agree with, you know, Paul and, and and there's others that would be like, you know, there's no point to it. Let's just play nostalgia. We got a big catalog. So Mm -hmm. it is a, it's a, it's a, you know, people, Artists have very differing opinions about that. And honestly, I see both sides of it. But I do think when it comes to a band like Kiss, when it comes to a band like Guns N' Roses, who people have been clamoring for new music from this new lineup forever, mm-hmm. there's something else at work. There's a dynamic. Mm-hmm. There's, there could be inner weirdness. There could be inner tensions. Going out and playing shows is easy. You rehearse, you can take your own bus, your own plane. I know artists that don't, the members don't even stay in the same hotel in the same city. They don't see each other or talk to each other, except for the time they're on stage, once the set is down and rehearsed. You can do that. You can make a lot of money doing that. You can do that for a really long time. To go into a studio and spend time face-to-face with someone, writing, creating, recording that's a completely different dynamic and if your band is not wired for that right now and you're not working with your partner in a way that you feel like doing that right now and you don't feel there's any real financial upside and there's no big kick to your draw Mm -hmm. then you just choose to do it and i think with a band like kiss and some others that's a uh, that's a factor so i think kiss is pretty much in the twilight of their career as much as you can joke about multiple farewells (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I don't think they can go on for much longer. And I just think they're gonna close it out like this. And I I I'm not surprised that he's not interested in doing new music. The last couple records were, you know, were not sales bonanzas. And outside of the hardcore fans, I don't know many people that even know about them. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Soul Station, that's his prerogative, that's his oh, yeah. passion project. It's it I think he knows, and you'd have to be an idiot to 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 not know that. That's not going to be of great interest to the hard rock fans. Of course, there's a hardcore section of the fan base that's going to buy it just because it's him. Um, And that's fine. Uh, But the thing that I find fascinating about soul station and him doing it at this point in his life is that this is a guy that, again, this is not shit talking. This is not making it up. Just, just, pull the videos if they're still up there of the last few tours here it comes right the the, no, the struggle that paul had vocally oh okay okay and and then and then now with that struggle and with the allegations of not really singing live now's the time you're gonna pick to do songs with some of the greatest vocals ever recorded like Good po- yep. that's that's like You know, that's like, again, bringing the athlete aspect of it into play. It's like, well, you know, you're under pressure to hit 40 home runs this season, but we know you're retiring and your knees are shot and you can't (laughs) swing the bat, but you better figure out how to do it. So, in a way, I give him credit for trying to take that on, and you can do a lot of trickery in the studio to sound okay in the studio, but I don't know how, like, with his – you know, and that's one area, man. If you're singing R&B like that, I mean – That's one area where you got to do it live and real. That's what it's all about is the vocal. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was incredibly bold, brave, ambitious to to try to make a record, regardless of if you like that kind of music or not, that universally that's thought of as some of the greatest singing by the people who made those recordings. And to tackle that now, uh, at this point in his career, I thought was pretty eye-opening. And, and, and look, I mean, again, he can do whatever he wants. I thought it was, I thought that the, the interviews I read about from him and what I saw him doing about promoting it, um, clearly he was very passionate about it. And uh, if he had fun doing it as an artist, that's all that should matter, whether two people buy it or two million people buy it. So it is what it is. I, the little bit I heard of it sounded fine. It really wasn't for me. But I just question, like, with all the vocal issues over the last 15, 20 years, to tackle that at this point in your life is is pretty pretty surprising.
1: He did. A, I, I actually enjoy the album. I love R and B and the Temptations and all that. I thought the album comes whatever he did. The album sounds great. His backing singers are fantastic. The band is awesome. They, the album sounds great. You wouldn't think it's Paul until a couple things he does. He's using a falsetto throughout, which is kind of sometimes a little bit. Ugh. But the thing that I thought you were going to bring up, and the thing that bugs me, even though I like the album stuff, is, you know, you can see the shirt that I'm wearing and you know the comments that he's made over the years about this guy's 78 solo album Peter, Chris, that's yeah. what bugs me you yeah, yeah. shit on it Gene shit on it, they all shit on it Bash them. and isn't it exactly what you're doing Peter's saying something that was passionate to him it's not in Kiss, so let him do whatever he wants why did you have to always say, Oh, I don't know what he's doing? I'd give it a zero stars. What's he thinking about? Why don't you just say, You know what? That music's not my style, but it's in Peter's blood and he loves it and he had a great time doing it and I'm proud of him.
2: That's but what he it had turns to say. out. But it turns out, as we're finding out now in the promotion of this, that that music is his style that he claims oh, is his yeah, own
3: Exactly. Now,
2: exactly. I, I mean, again, look, I, I there is a ton of hypocrisy. Throughout yeah. the history of Kiss, there really is, and yeah. this is coming from a guy who, who I swear to you, I'm a huge fan. I just look at things objectively and honestly. Whether it's who really played on the records, whether it's who's on the cover, but who's on the record, it goes yeah. on forever. Whether it's a live record that wasn't really live, we all accept it. We're fans. We we enjoy it. We love it for what it is. But you got to look. I mean, I, I got a press release from the Creatures of the Night tour that went out telling everybody that Ace was just in an accident and would rejoin the tour midway through when he was completely out of the band. So the stories are endless with this kind of stuff. And um, that's a great point about, about Peter and, and uh, you know, he, he, how, how much he had a passion for that kind of music. And I'm curious what, I, I wonder what Peter thinks of this whole station. Record. Yeah. But you know, well we brought it up. We we back, back to your point, Tom, real quick about yeah. the live thing with Soul Station. He yes. did something really smart. He got a bunch of really good singers oh, back. Absolutely, there, back he up. did. Yes. So he can he can sachet and do his dance moves yeah. while they're doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's a smart thing to do. And by yeah. the way, I got no problem with that. No, nope. because it's real, it's live. Mm -hmm. Like, if he went out there and he had all this stuff going on and it was all tracks, I'd be like, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But you have limitations, but you have a passion to do something. You're going to find a way to make it work, and it's still organic and real and live. More power to you. Go crazy.
1: Yeah, just uh, a couple. We know your time is valuable. We don't want to go over. But last couple, we'll try to make this rapid fire. A while back, you had Bob Ezrin on your show, and Bob kind of spilled the beans a little bit, saying that he was saddened. Because he did an interview probably about Julian's book where he talked about, you know, uh, music from the elder. And Paul, you know, he, again, I think he's a little sensitive. A little sensitive. <laughs> yeah. Got look, upset look, with Paul. If
2: people, if people think we're just uh, – anyone that thinks that that's, that's anything controversial, his <laughs> his own book opens saying that he was in therapy for issues like that since yeah. he was a kid. Right. So we're right. not making light of it. There's something really deep going on there. And it's unfortunate, but we're not, that's not a fabricated thing. That's him by his own admission. He's had issues like that. And he's openly talked about therapy and dealing with that stuff for decades in the beginning of his life. Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunate that he's like that, but that still obviously continues. Yeah. And then
1: what ended up happening because of COVID, a new character was born. It's called Pandemic Ball. So if you follow him on Twitter, you will find that Pandemic Paul loves to espouse all this wisdom on everybody, whether it's making making prosciutto pasta or flying on his 10-speed bike doing wheelies. And uh, telling people to wear a mask, but he got really preachy over the, And so this pandemic Paul character was developed and he's been taken over the world and sh- turned very, very left. So another hypocrisy part would be the part where now all of a sudden he used to politics. put out video telling people, well, why are you listening to musicians or other people talk politics? They're idiots. Why do they talk they- politics? All of a sudden now there's no subject he won't touch.
2: There's a clip from the on YouTube from what was I guess going to be exposed to of all this amazing fly on the wall backstage footage there's like four hours of it on YouTube and I Mm -hmm. watched it's from the hot in the shade tour and he's doing an interview with some European guy and the guy uh, he went on about he goes Rock stars shouldn't be telling anybody about politics and how to think or whatever. He goes, that's ridiculous. Why would you? Do-? So yeah, yeah, I mean, we're like, idiots. Why would you listen I, to us? I know. I've I seen can't it, tell you what's on his social media because, of course, I'm blocked because I'm. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! But You've people, missed pandemic, Paul. People oh. copy and paste stuff and send it to me all the time. So <laughs> wow, that, that there's but- some. And that last the second book he did I just read the chapter headlines and that's all I needed I was, yeah. I,
3: I it's it, it's it was
2: like it's terrible it's like it was like a, it was like all of a sudden just, this guy's like a self-help guru what's going yeah. on here yep. yeah.
1: and but he did find one little segment to talk about kiss and that was to have like a paragraph or two where he just shit on Peter out of nowhere actually he just beats <laughs> About letting things go and move yep. on and be happy himself. <laughs> he, he can't paragraph to be like, and Peter Chris, he's a miserable human being, and he just always <laughs> upset. He needs to do this and get a life. He can't like,
3: help himself. He can't Bob help us. himself.
1: Yeah, we 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 did that. It's one of our more popular episodes. We, we kind of bashed that book, but yeah, but anyway, let's get here. back to Bob. I want to, to say yeah. that basically we saw the part, and and Bob was a little bit upset because he's saying that. My friend Paul is upset with me because of comments I made about the elder. Now, I don't know if you saw this, but there's a photo that went up. Paul put up a photo with him and Bob Ezrin with their arms around each other. I don't know if it you was saw him. Re- Yeah, it was last, last week. week. Last week. Yeah, yeah, it was this week, I think, with him you know with man? his arm, and everybody just lost their minds. Revenge too. Here comes <laughs> destroyer. Like, you know. I don't know. What do you think? Paul doesn't do anything for for a, without a reason. He put Paul know, Maybe put maybe off.
2: there's hope for me then. Maybe there's a photo of me <laughs> <my> arms, right? <laughs> <laughs> That'd uh, be great. Uh, but any thoughts on that? Uh, no, no. I mean, I remember when Bob said that during the interview I had with him, and it was something over something he said in, about the elder at some point. And again, you're dealing with a very sensitive guy who. I mean, I've got a million stories of people who've told me that he's had issues with them and they couldn't figure out why, because it was so deep down a rabbit hole that they couldn't even believe it. So I don't know what Bob would have done, but, I, uh, that, that I do remember Bob saying that during the interview that I had with him. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad, I mean, Ron Nevison who did crazy nights. So I also interviewed, I believe there was some issue there because, uh, Paul desperately wanted Ron Nevison at the time of crazy nights and even mm-hmm. waited to have him do the record. And then afterwards, you know, it was talked about all oh, that record should be remixed or this or that. So I think there was some, you know, some stuff with Nevison too, at one point, uh, hard to say, man, uh, again, I, I tell this to people all the time. I don't, I don't know Paul Stanley that well. Like I, I've, yeah. I, have met him a bunch of times and even, even back in the day, like when there was no weirdness or issues, he was always a guy that I never, he never like would look you straight in the eye. He was never overly engaging. He never, he always kind of looked around you when you were in the room. And even if I, you know, yeah. I mean, even I was there with Ace or whatever, a hundred times I would have met the guy. He knew who I was. And it's always a weirdness. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, maybe it comes into the shy thing. I, I don't know. Um, There's been countless stories I could tell you of just awkward, weird things that I didn't see coming. (laughs) Uh, You know, he once recorded a radio sweeper for me calling me his loyal fan and friend, which was very nice and I didn't expect. And then a couple of days later, he was doing one of his, his art shows and a friend of his said, you should come to the art show. It was very close to my house. I said, I'll pop my head in. I'd like to see the art. And then I got there and I, I said, hey, the art looks great. Nice to see the art. And he started like, ru- like giving me like a weird vibe and saying like, oh, so, you like, so you're my friend now or something. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Jesus. A couple days ago, you just recorded a liner that I didn't ask for. So it's really hard. And by the way, that was the last time I talked to him and I said to him. Can we go in the back office of this place and just sit down man-to-man, face-to-face for five minutes so you can tell me what's going on? Because I said, I don't know, and I never know where I stand with you, and I don't know what this is about. Yeah. And I do know that fans love to stoke the fire. You know, yeah. there's a yeah. segment of fans out there, and they'll do it off of this interview right now, and they'll get right on their keyboard, and they'll post things that are out of context or, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the, 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 it's, it's the world we're in now. It's the internet warriors. It's the keyboard warriors. Because they think in their mind that's going to get them in a better, even closer to the person that they're a fan of. And it's just, it's kind of pathetic and sad. And they'll always cut out all the good things that I say. And when it comes to KISS, I can say this with full confidence with, on my kids. 96% of my life has been nothing but supportive and positive. Mm-hmm. And there's this percentage of their career that I checked out on that wasn't for me predominantly driven by the the ace the the tommy and eric having to be ace and peter thing that's the only real issue i ever had and um the fact that i was vocal about it i guess caused a problem but i i just i just don't believe in being censored i don't believe in not being able to be a fan and and i don't i don't consider myself a journalist or i just consider myself a fan i built a career i know i've got great platforms i know i've got a great audience and I believe I built that career in that audience because I, I will be like that. And mm-hmm. by the way, I want the feedback the other way. Like, if you disagree, let, like we're doing now, let's have the dialogue. I just don't believe that everything has to be one way all the time. And uh, that's it. It's, it's, it's really, really strange to me that I, for a very, very small segment of KISS fans, certainly... And by by Paul that I've been painted as this enemy. Um, because to this day I'm the only guy that every Christmas plays three hours of kiss music in New York City. That's right. Uh, None of of the shit that he's thrown at me and none of the stuff like banning me from Kiss Mini Golf or any of this silly nonsense. (laughs) That's a true story. That's a true story. You can't walk in there. It's a long story, but it's a true story. Okay, I could walk in there, but I I was booked for something, and then it's a whole other thing. But but the point of the matter is none of this nonsense and silliness has ever diminished me still being a fan. Mm -hmm. There's still a band that I talk about maybe the most on my radio show. They're the band that with the Kiss fans, they know they can talk about anything with Kiss with me, and I'll know it because I am a fan. They know that I I fought like hell for them for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm a voter. I fought like hell. Um, The specials that I do every year, all these things. But unfortunately, all that gets discounted when you just, there's one thing you don't like. And I just can't, I can't roll with that. It's just a weird, weird thing. So, uh, you know, I'll always be a fan. As I told you at the top of this show, he was always my favorite member. So it is kind of bizarre, but... I'm, i I'm, I'm in a lot of good company of other people that he doesn't talk to, uh, or won't talk to. And that's not, that was never my goal, but is what it is. There's plenty of artists that I can talk to and have on my show and I'll roll with that and be fine with it.
3: All right. So, let so we've had a, we've had a lot of controversial topics here. They've been great. The discussion been great. Let's try to talk about something positive here. And, and it's in and the timing is great here that you're Eddie, that, that you're here, Eddie, uh thanks to this podcast we've become friendly with carrie stevens we've had her on as a guest and we communicated with her a lot um and she and you have both broken the news that there is going to be a brand new eric carr documentary which is going to be fantastic and everybody's looking forward to tell us what you know about that what that's going to be like how is it going to be different from tale of the fox the dvd that came out a while back what can fans look forward to? What's your role in it, if, if anything? Because, uh, I, th- you know, the Kiss Army loves Eric Carr for obvious reasons, and we know that you had a very special relationship with him, too.
2: Yeah, yeah, I loved Eric and miss him, and I uh, can't believe it's going to be 30 years this November that he's been gone. Yep. Uh, I was approached about this through Loretta, Eric's sister. Mm -hmm. and she reached out to me a few times over the last few months interested in me being interviewed for the documentary which of course I told her I would I would do and would do anything for Eric and she uh but the problem was it was all being produced on the west coast and I'm in New Jersey so she said when they could get a crew to me in New Jersey would I do it and I said yeah of course so actually I was interviewed for it yesterday I shot all my stuff yesterday for it and um I, I, I know that Carrie is on board as a producer. I haven't spoken to her or heard from her about it, but I did hear from Loretta. And, and when I heard from Eric's sister, that was all I needed to know, that it was legit and the family was on board and it was you know, coming from the right place. So, uh, that, oh, just dropped my, so that's all I can really tell you about it from what I know. I, I know okay. that uh, the guy that is producing it and directing it is a guy named Jack Sawyer's. Who is uh, my understanding is he did back in the late '80s? He did one of the Kiss home DVDs. I don't know if it was exposed or confidential, but okay. he was the guy behind one of those. And he had he I believe he may have done that last DVD you mentioned as well, but I'm not sure on that. But okay. he's based on the West Coast as well. So I just know that Loretta called me the other day and asked if I would if I was available to do something this week. And I said yes. And the crew was here yesterday, and I spent a couple hours. Uh, reminiscing and telling stories about Eric. And they had told me that the plan is, is to have it released this November for the 30th anniversary of his death.
3: Awesome. Wow. Excellent. That's going to be great. Good to see. Good yeah, to see. It's
2: deserving and I'm looking forward to seeing it. And yep. I think that I, I believe they did get Ace and Peter to contribute to it. I don't believe Gene or Paul are going to be involved in it, but oh. uh, I think Ace and Peter are, I know John five shot a segment, I sh- I shot a segment, so they're making the rounds, talking to some people, and then I. And she told me they're very close to being done with shooting it, mm-hmm. and and then they were going to be editing soon, and they really wanted to target getting it out for the thirtieth in November.
1: Excellent, awesome, Zeus. Yeah, he. Um, I think he did do his confidential. Um, the last thing I want to hit you with is uh, for me that is. Uh, I still think this tour is going to end. They're going to be like, great, congratulations. Gene moved to Vegas for a reason. I think they're going to set up a residency and a Vegas show for Kiss, whether they'll perform maybe once a month or do something. And then he could show up one time and play with the Kiss house band or Peter Ken or Ace Ken on a certain night. Some sort of Kiss themed Vegas thing. I don't think it's a a co- I don't think it's a coincidence that Gene's moving out there. I think Kiss long term will be a ve- Vegas act that you can see out there. And to a point where, you know, Gene and Paul aren't part of it.
2: Well, I just bought a place in Vegas. And uh interestingly enough, a couple weeks ago, I'm not moving there full time yet, but for the next 5 years I'll be there part time. Yep. And uh I didn't move into it yet but in a couple months I will. And I was there 2 weeks ago for Ace's Ace had an early birthday dinner. Mm-hmm. And I flew back with Ace actually but we were there at the dinner we had a wonderful night and Ace said to me at the dinner uh he's like you know he goes Gene Gene could come Gene might come by and I said what? And he goes yeah he's in town and I said here in Vegas he said yeah and then somebody else in the group told me that Gene was actually staying in the same exact hotel I was, which was oh, off the Strip. Oh, it boy. Wasn't a, it wasn't a hotel on the Strip. It was off the Strip. Yeah. And I, it turned out he was. I did, I never saw him or talked to him, but he he was there. I know he has said that he's moving to Nevada. There was some confusion. Some people said he was moving, like, to Tahoe. Others said he was going to be in Vegas. Apparently now he's looking in Vegas. Look, the appeal of living in Nevada, especially if you are somebody that's wealthy like Gene is, is the fact that there's no state tax. Nevada, Texas, Florida, you save a ton of money on taxes living in Nevada. So it makes sense. Um, The the idea of a show makes sense. I, I can't say I've heard of that happening, but it wouldn't surprise me. And if you think about it right now, if Gene does, in fact move there. There's going to be four members, four kiss related people living in Vegas, right? Cause Tommy and Eric are there. Gene would be there. Bruce Kulik has lived there for a while. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, uh, and there's a lot of rock guys and there's a lot of people moving to Vegas, especially from LA. So it's entirely possible. And I could see them trying to do it. I mean, here's the thing. And this, this ties into what we said before about it's always about the sell now. Prior to this final tour, they were promoting heavily the idea of the no original lineup Kiss. Yeah, right. Again, this is not me saying this. It's funny. I've seen people give me shit for saying this, like I'm making it up. <laughs> They've said it. Read yep. the press. So this is something that they have talked about doing. If you notice, they have completely gone silent about that in all the press. Why? Why? Well, you don't want to talk about another play down the road when you're trying to sell something now. That only really yep. makes sense. You're mm-hmm. trying to get people to come to your final show. You don't also want to send out a message, well, I've been three years, we're going to put on an even bigger show, and we're not even going to be in it. So it makes sense that they've put a blanket on that, but I think the minute it ends, 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 that blanket comes off. They'll talk about who's going to replace Gene and Paul, and. Vegas would be a very viable place to launch that as this KISS sanctioned casino residency show. Mm-hmm. I could totally, totally see it. And the other thing people have pointed out to me, which is, is also true, that we are coming up on in, in uh three years will be or less will be 50th. the 50th anniversary yeah. of the first record. Right. Yeah. And then a year later, the 50th anniversary of Alive. Mm -hmm. So some people have said to me, do you really think they're going to miss an opportunity to play that marketing card? Right. And probably not. I mean, knowing them, there's probably no way they would. So, yeah, I mean, that, that just plays into why everyone, nobody believes for a second that it's ever really over.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah all right eddie one last thing here before we finish up here this is a non-kiss question but as a fan i mentioned it at the top of the sh- top of the interview when we talked any future for essential hard rock and heavy metal volume three but more importantly that metal show
2: on the book front i wouldn't do a third chapter of the two books that i've done already i think um being truthful the first record the first book did ex- extraordinarily well it's about over forty thousand copies so thank you mm-hmm. everybody who bought it yep. the second book did about half that reason being is the second book had in terms of popularity the next tier tier bands, of bands you know, right right where book yeah. one had kiss and aerosmith book two had angel and accept so nothing against those bands i love them all but just in terms of interest level it dwindles as you get into different yep. makes bands.
3: sense makes sense so i don't
2: think i could stretch that into a third book and get to yet a, a, another level but um i have half written an autobiography uh, okay two, in two nice. years in two years will be my 40th year in the business and i want to tell those stories which are not in either of those two books nice um, my stories of being a kid from new Jersey just growing up a huge music fan, uh, discovering Kiss, and that setting me on my path, working for a record company. I mean, there's so many things that I've done in my career that I've been fortunate to do that people have no idea that I've done. I was one of the first people to ever play Metallica on the radio. There's just, like, mm-hmm. way more stories beyond Kiss. And, uh, you know, how that metal show came together, what I did before that metal show on TV. There's a bunch of stuff. So I started that book. A couple years ago, I just hit a wall and stopped. I need to finish it, and I would really love to get it out for the uh, the 40th anniversary of my career, yep. which would be in uh, 23, 2023. Okay. So we'll see. That's the that's the next book thing. If I ever get my nose to the grindstone and, and get into it. Right now, I'm doing eight radio shows a week, six live. Jeez. And, wow. and travel starting to come back as far as hosting things. Yep. So it gets real difficult to commit the time when I am I do have downtime to want to open a computer and start typing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Metal Show, look, I'm asked about it every day still. Yeah. Uh, I just talked to somebody before we got on this call that asked me about it, who has a streaming platform, que- asking some questions about it. I'd be lying to you if I told you there was anything imminent. Okay. I don't own the show. I'm totally cool with the guy who does, who's our old producer. Also VH1 still owns a part of the show as well. I would love it. We are myself, Don and Jim are all still great friends. We would all do it in a heartbeat. There's no issues. There's not like there's a money thing or a grievance or anything. It's just that and this is really hard for people to understand who what would be listening to this right now, who are all passionate music fans is that when you get outside of that bubble of the hardcore music fans and you go to a network, even if it's a Netflix or somebody and you say, Hey, I did this TV show for many years that people love and would love to see. Oh yeah. What's it about? It's a rock talk show. It's a tune out. <laughs> they don't get it. Unless right. you are intensely into rock music, there's n- it doesn't resonate. It doesn't connect to you. So Mm -hmm. although the show had this unbelievably passionate, great fan base that I appreciate that still asks about it, to me, the only way I see it coming back is if there's somebody in a position at a network or a streaming service that used to watch it, loved it, gets it, and wants to do it and can push the button to make it happen. Because these development people and, and agents and people like that I mean, a lot of them are younger. They have no connection to that music. They don't care about it. And it's just not something that they see as a viable thing, despite how successful it was. So I never say never. Um, I, I, I do believe in my heart of hearts some way, somehow it'll come back. Every day I'm hearing from someone kicking the tires on it, but it just hasn't gotten over the hump yet.
3: Well, We can hope. We can hope.
2: Yeah, Zeus. I hope so too. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, listen, we
1: appreciate your time, and there's people knuckleheads like us that take up all your time. That's why you probably haven't had a chance to take uh, to take on the second part of your book. That, but everybody wants to hear your opinion. Uh, you've been gracious with your time. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it,
2: guys. I enjoyed it. Thank you. I really did. It's great to to meet both of you, and thank you for having me. And uh, you know, again, I would say to everybody who's listening and the Kiss fans out there, man again, it, it's all good. You know, we're, we're in a time and place where everybody is so frigging divided and everything is, it It makes me nuts. It's really disturbing to me that the divisiveness and the, the cancel culture and the pouncing and people, yeah. you know, ganging up on people in, in so many different ways. And I just think it's, it's, it's really unfortunate and it's got to stop and on all levels. And I just, uh, I just think that especially all of us are rock music fans, wherever you land on any of these topics or feelings, it it doesn't matter. That's your right. That's your prerogative, but it doesn't mean you should disparage the other person for having that opinion. I think good open dialogue and debate is healthy and it's needed more and more than ever. So no matter people agree with me or disagree with me, man, I'm not the law. I'm just a fan that loves the band and, and has an opinion and, isn't afraid to express it. And I appreciate people who have different opinions and I appreciate people that disagree or agree and it's all good. I think it's a very healthy thing to do. So I thank you for having me and I wish you both the best. I hope you stay healthy and uh, hopefully get to meet you guys soon in person somewhere down the line.
3: Yeah, Eddie, Eddie, thank you so much. This has been a thrill again. Thank you so much for your time. Really excited about it. And you said, you said, let's try to do this again uh, sometime. Hopefully, Bands will stop performing again soon, and there'll be a little bit more to talk about. Again, thank you so, so much for your time. Stay healthy and be well.
2: Yeah, you guys as well. Thank you. Okay, take care.
3: All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. So that was our interview with Eddie Trunk. We spent about 90 minutes or so with him. Um, he was unbelievably gracious. We could have kept going. Uh, and we're really happy with the way it, it went. Uh, like we said, we started right out of the gate, Addressing some issues that we've had with him about, you know, uh, the Catman and the Spaceman and Tommy and Eric and bands with backing tracks and Kiss being criticized and Paul. You know, those are two things that we've been talking about for years about Eddie's criticisms of those two topics. We started right out of the gate with those. And then we got into things that we really wanted to hear his opinions on Uh, things about Paul Stanley, Soul Station, new music from them you know, we brought up a lot of different things and again, we could have kept going and it was just a really awesome conversation. Uh, he did open up about a lot of things. We heard some things that we never knew about him and his relationship with kiss and the band. Um, and we're just thrilled that it happened. And uh, we, we can't thank him enough. Uh, hopefully this is the beginning of a good relationship between shouted out loud cast and Eddie trunk moving forward. Um, and I think having him on was really good for us as hosts and great for you guys as listeners. So we're happy with it. And we can't imagine that you guys are not going to also be thrilled with it.
1: Yeah. There was a lot of kind of stuff that I'm like interested in. And like, if we pushed it a little bit, we probably get a little more, but you know what I'm thinking? We'll save it to the next time. Not a big deal. We'll save it to the next time. But you know, uh, the, the thing for me, I always wanted to make sure, and I, I've gone on my rants. If you guys have heard me bitch about Eddie plenty of times, you you guys know what I'm talking about. And it was always about, I always, and I I feel like, look, I'm not going to go have the, the guy come on our show, give us his time, come on, and be like, no, that's not it. You're a liar. You're an right. asshole. You're a jerk. You're a hypocrite. You're, uh, that's not it. I'm not doing that. That's not professional. That's not cool. But I did address it to him about the band members. I did address it to him when I said, well, I find it uh, hypocritical of you to, I feel like you only bring it up when it's only about kiss. Now I'll be honest with you. I don't listen to his show all the time. So he did mention other people. Like he did hit Bon Jovi. Who's a New Jersey guy like he is. So that is something that, okay, maybe I, maybe I misread it. And he does have a point with the, you guys, anytime you hear me about Kiss, it's always amplified when I say something, or it's cut and paste, or it's a YouTube clip, and he is right. It'll be, you know, somebody who say something awful about Paul, and it'll be like, Eddie Trunk says this, and it's not Eddie saying it, it's somebody calling, and, and Eddie's reading what the question is or the comment is um so i think we were fair to him i think we didn't you know i wouldn't be able to just do the show and act like oh yeah we've loved you for years only said we love your opinion about uh kiss no but after once you have that conversation and he gives you his point of view okay i hear you i don't agree with it but i'm not gonna be like no that's not true no and then he says well no and then what does that do Let's move on to the next subject. I, I think we threw out some ideas to him and gave him some, uh, something that food for thought. And, and it is what it is. He ain't going to change his mind. He's not going to like Eric and Tommy in the makeup. That's not happening. And I'm not going to sit there and say I won't see Kiss because they're in it. And neither will Tom. So we move on. And because we move on, we got all this awesome information from him about all these other wonderful things going on. And there's nobody that knows who has his ear to the ground that knows this shit better than Eddie Trunk. Let's be
3: honest. Yeah. And and look, when Zeus and I had this interview scheduled, the first thing we said was, look, if we have to maintain any sense of credibility as hosts of Shut Out Loudcast, we have to start off with the elephant in the room which is dealing directly with Eddie Trunk and the criticisms that we've had of him over the years on Shout It Out Loudcast. And that's what we did. And like Zeus said, we're not going to get into name calling and we're not going to ridicule, we give him the respect. He's a guest on our show um, and we're not going to turn this into a circus. And we didn't. We went after him. We had him address those concerns and he did address them. I think he did a good job. I pushed back a little bit on the Def Leopard thing, not because I wanted to be confrontational, but because I wanted to hear a little bit more from him about that because you know maybe tesla you know he's he accused me of bringing up two bad examples def Lepp and tesla okay he knows more than me but i pushed back a little bit more on the def leopard thing because i've seen them a lot more and i just don't understand how they're doing what they're doing uh naturally and he even said he goes a lot of bands say hey that's the greatest compliment and he was really good with his explanation he's like look mm-hmm. this 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 and this and he didn't have to do that. He could have just been like, look, I know Def Leppard. I know that I know they're singing. They're not getting any help. There's no tracks, but he took the time to back up his point and much respect to him for that much respect to him for the entire interview. Um, it was, it was great. And and it, it it's just, it was really good to have him on clear the air with the issues that we've had with him over the years and then move on to some kiss specific topics and things that we wanted to know from somebody like Eddie trunk.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I will say this, too, and I, I, I think we should let the interview speak for itself. Yeah. Uh, we're dying to hear your feedback. But I can say this to you guys. This interview wouldn't have happened without all of you. The show's supporters, listeners, fans, all of the above. You guys have made a podcast by two college friends. With no friends in the podcasting community, no contacts, with no music ability, we're we're not musicians, but just two college friends with crazy senses of humor, as you guys can tell, who love Kiss and love music, and over within two and a half years, we've had Chris Jericho on at least four or five times, I think, Bruce Kulick. Kerry Stevens, Charlie Benante, and we've just had Eddie Trunk on. That's not happening without you. That's not happening without your support. That's not happening without you guys listening to us and giving us that kind of a lift and inspiring us by our interactions, whether it's on social media, whether it's an email form or anything like that, to want to get more and more people out to you. You know, me and Tom ain't making any money Doing this thing right now We're not, doesn't make Make us sell a couple Extra hundred thousand albums I mean, this is because we are excited For you guys to listen to this This is fun for us We can't wait to hear what your uh, Response is going to be to this So for me And I'll let Tom speak for himself Honestly, I just want to say thank you To you guys, because you Guys have Affected this show so much That we have a guy like Eddie Trunk That we've had grievances with About his opinion about Kiss They were like yeah but you know, when are we ever going to talk to him Well we just did Thanks to you guys So tip of the hat We love you guys And we couldn't have done it without you So I think this is a victory And a success For us all And by us all
3: It's a great point you know, without this show growing and making its way out there through social media, through the Patreon subscribers, through the support, the tweeting, the retweeting, the comments, the interaction, through this show getting out there and giving us the platform to have guests to build and grow this show to get to the point where two years ago we were having issues with the opinions of Eddie Trunk to now having him on the show to respond to those issues that we had with Eddie trunk. That is a Testament to not just us, but a Testament to you guys for lifting this show and carrying it to a place where we are now, where we can say we have now established a rapport with Eddie trunk and
1: And many, and many more. Yep, exactly. So, and we still keep, I believe, I don't know if the band holds true to this anymore, but we still keep that KISS motto in our back pocket, and we believe we do it. And that is, we want to be the podcast, or should we say the KISS podcast, that we want to hear. Yep. And not that we have any problems with any other podcast out there. Not at all. But we want to be the podcast that we want to listen to. Passionate, funny as all fuck. Because again We're talking about Kiss We're not talking about Fleetwood Mac We're not talking about the Beatles We're talking about Cod pieces We're talking about bang-banging people We're talking about Pulling triggers of love guns And all sorts of stupid shit And it's we about, love it It's about the passion It's about love
4: Life isn't about sex Life is about children And passion Yeah and
2: spirit. Yeah, it's, like, it's about passion. It's not about fucking and balls and pussy. It's about love. <laughs> it's about people. It's about connection. It's all about connections. But it's not about tossing salad. It's not about cock and ass and tits mm-hmm. and butthole pleasures. It's not about
0: butthole pleasures at all. It's not about the rusty trombone and the dirty Sanchez. Is that about the rainbow showers and the camel toe slide and the Cincinnati bow tie, the Arabian goggles and the hot car and pearl and necklace or pussy juice cocktails and the, the jagged head dildos and the double decker pussies? Okay, I, you know, double pussies it's, and. The shit stain balls
2: and cum swapping and the hanging brain. Is that about the rattlesnake wiggle and the alligator fuck house, donkey punch or the teabagging? Louise, just please stop. All right, Relax.
1: that's enough. Party's over. It's not about the it's not about the forget it. It's 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 not about the
3: shit. It's not about the butt of pleasures.
4: It's about love.
1: Thank you. Um so guys, thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed that interview. What we do next
2: is this. Hi, this is Ed Spanjberg of Clickteshop.com and for all your Shout It Out Loudcast gear and merchandise, please visit ClickTeShop.com. At ClickTShop, you can find lots of KISS-inspired t-shirt designs, plus mugs, hats, hoodies, pillows, and all new fine art selections. And now,
1: here's your question
2: of the week.
3: All right. So the question of the week comes from Alex on Facebook. And this question is, you guys have done your real kiss Alive's, which are awesome. But when do you think the real kiss alive three should have come out? Oh, it's a good question.
1: Hmm. I know <laughs> Enough <laughs> yeah. material You should say After Dynasty
0: mm-hmm.
1: You got Kiss Alive 4 Four solo albums and Dynasty And Really for me I would say well Peter was still performing on the Dynasty tour mm-hmm. That's a whole era Because once you go past Dynasty He's not on it That's another whole band right when you have eric in there so i would say dynasty that's when you think kiss alive three should have come out yep wow
3: that's interesting for me i think kiss alive three should have come out after either lick it up or animalize because yeah because you had you had a couple of mediocre to really bad albums depending on who you talk to with you know unmask the elder then you kind of came back, you had creatures, you had the, you had the success to lick it up. And then animalize was their first album that, he, you know, heaven's on fire MTV, a hit let's strike while the iron is hot. Our first live album with no makeup, even though it's, it's an audio format, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think kiss alive three and I'm not, and I'm saying something separate from animalized live Uncentered, not an audio version of that. I'm saying an actual kiss alive three and have it incorporate that set list half makeup, half non-makeup. I think that would have been great. And I wish they did that, you know, which is why I wanted to go back to that Casey Campbell email about saying the audio CDs featuring Eric Carr's performance. It's just mind blowing that he played with that band for so long and they never did a live album. Again, we've addressed it. Live albums weren't big in the eighties. Kiss wasn't that huge to do a live album in the eighties, mm-hmm. according to some people, but I just wish that we had something um, like that, but uh great question, Alex love that. And uh, I don't know, hopefully like I said to, in response to the email, there's bootlegs out there. There's a ton of bootlegs out there. I'm not saying that you should be supporting the bootleg industry, but they're out there if you want to find them. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Tom. Where can people find us? All right. Well, our email, as you can tell, we uh, we read th- we read all these emails. Uh, we love them all. Most of them we read on the air, and that is shoutedoutloudcast at gmail.com. outloudcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on all the social medias also, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, very interactive with that. We love that. Uh, all those. We also have the great Facebook group, It out loudcasters, which continues to grow. I think last week we hit the two thousand member mark. It keeps growing. Jump in on there. Those are great. Um, and we're always we're proud to say that we're part of the Pantheon Podcast Network of shows. Tons of great shows, all different genres of music. We're on there, and our show can be found on all the big platforms. Obviously, wherever you're listening to us right now, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Every platform pretty much in existence. If there's a particular one that you prefer over one and you're listening to us on a different one, let us know. We can get there, but we're pretty much available everywhere. So check us out. Email us, please. The comments, the feedback. That's how this show exists. We want to hear from you guys. So please do that.
1: Yeah, I always tell people they can DM us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Send us a private message if you want. The email is always our favorite. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't for, uh, forget to subscribe to our YouTube, YouTube. channel, Tom. Our YouTube channel, yep. where uh, the subscriptions there have grown a lot recently. You can always find us there. And, uh, and we also would like if you guys would give us one of those five star, star. child reviews on iTunes. That's another way to help us move us up, get us in front of more people and hopefully keep expanding the show. So one of those five star child reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast would be greatly appreciated. And then finally we always say that uh, our Patreon account, if you're interested in Patreon, P A T R E O N.com, Patreon app or Patreon in the notes. All these uh, ways to find us or interact with us they're all in the episode notes you just click on the links they're all right there and if you need any help contact us let us know and what we do at the end of each show we always come with a famous we call it famous last words which are lyrics to kiss songs tom what do you got this week i am a sinner
3: who just loves to sin i am a fighter who just loves to win. I am the truth about this crummy hole. There's nothing here that can't be bought or sold. You're not well. <laughs> Mr. Blackwell. Oh, love that song. Yeah. Underrated is- underrated gene tune right there.
1: That is a demon song. Hell yes, it is. Okay. Well, my song includes some makeup as well. It goes like this one, though, Tom. I took a flight at night from east to west. I asked the hostess for my flying test. She threw the covers and we started to rock. She whispered, you can take me bottom or
3: that's why that's the only good song on the album because it's old kiss
4: love it
1: (laughs) love
3: it love it
1: Eddie Trunk thank you sir greatly appreciate it Tom thank you Kiss Army Loudcasters thank you we love you and we appreciate all your support Eddie Trunk we cannot thank you enough for giving
3: us the time and the conversation we greatly appreciate it Guys out there, we hope you enjoyed this. Um, We're very proud of this interview and proud to be able to have a guest like Eddie Trunk on here after all these years of discussion. So uh, enjoy and thank you guys for the support as always.
1: Peace out, Girl Scout.